Hello and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. I am Keegan Preslak. I'm Eric Hoff, and this is a horror podcast where two buddies in the middle of nowhere get together, hopefully once a pandemic. Right, Eric? That's correct. And talk about fucking horror movies. Yes. I am so excited to be here. You know, I, I feel like people say, like, if you have to say you're excited, you're not. Uh-huh. That's not true in this case. Right. I'm so fucking excited to be recording. Yeah, I... I, uh, I... I wrote my my list, my notes for the show a whole day earlier. And Eric wrote it with, it looks like pencil or pen. Pen and paper. I mean, normally, what? like in the past, Keegan would be coming over to my house, like walking in the door, and I'd be writing it. Right. But this time, you know, I'm, I was ready. Right. I'm excited that I did it a whole day earlier. Let me ask you this. Sure. Where, where did you get that paper? Because I don't have paper I, at my fucking house. I, I bought a notepad from Walmart <laughs> for reasons like this. Right. Believe it or not. I guess I write a lot. Hey, you should become, you, sh- you could be the next Stephen King. To, to the point where I needed a notepad. <laughs> right. Well, uh, hello everybody out there in Ghoul Squad land. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, I want to address something quickly. Eric and I are both wearing masks. Yes. So because of this, you're going to hear, let's do it. I'm going to do it real quick. Eric, you do it too. Okay. You don't have to. Okay. You hear that everybody? That's dicks rubbing against each <laughs> other. <laughs> so that noise right there. That noise is my mask room against the mic. I'm going to do my best not to make that happen the whole fucking time, but it may. It's, so, it's been so goddamn long <laughs> that we recorded. We're, th- we're, we're talking about this before we started, maybe four months. I forgot to bring headphones. Yes, Eric didn't bring headphones. That's how long it's been. So, And this is kind of weird, not having you in my ears, even though you're just sitting right across the table from me. So Eric is going to yell extra much yes. a lot. So um, Because I'm wearing a mask. Right. And because of that, which is great. I will want him to. But at the same time, I will uh, hopefully not make him as loud. So I apologize if I'm loud. Fuck, I have no idea. Hmm. I'll be, I'll Can worry. we address it now that you get faded? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so today's my Friday. Today's Kiki's Friday. Yes, sir. And it was the best thing in the world. Keegan is telling me just after we get off, him and his brother, we just drink beer. Yes, sir. So that's what Keegan's doing. Keegan's drinking some beer, guys. He's drinking a Michelob Ultra. Infusions. Uh, what the fuck does that mean? Well, it has lime and cactus in it. Oh, cactus, huh? Uh, <laughs> I think it's prick- lime and prickly pear cactus. Okay. I told Eric the funny thing about this beer is there's no fucking alcohol in it. Um, but you know, the point is just to hang My out. hand sanitizer has more alcohol in this fucking beer that Keegan is drinking right now. Well, I would fucking hope so. But, uh, yes, no, that is all true. So no, I mean, uh, I love my job. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> but and then I'll say it right now. Fuck the USPS. Okay, Eric. Well, well let, me, let me just address my quick thing. So yeah, no, uh, it, it's, I work eight days and I don't drink a drop. So it's my Friday. So it's time to drink some beer. Time right? to drink some beer. Yeah, absolutely. But Eric, why, why don't you, let's just go there, right? So let's it's the there. pandemic. Yes. Shit has rolled downhill tremendously. You know what's insane? Tell me. Like so much, like we recorded, we don't even know. It was like July or fucking August, right? It was for sure after July because we were watching Skater XL videos after we got done recording. Yeah. And that came out July 28th. So so here's what's, here's what's you know, 
fucked up is like at some point, like there was like an election, like which yeah. we're, which we're not really going to address, but I'm just saying like there was a fucking election. The whole fucking planet has gone insane. Yes. Like we, even today, <laughs> I know to today, especially today yeah. is what is today? Wednesday, the fifth or the sixth. Today's Wednesday, the sixth. Yeah. The sixth. Um, but you know, it's just been, and then of course the pandemic, you know, but you know, Hey, the fucking, the vaccines on the way. I signed up. There, yeah. There's a website here in New Mexico. Uh, I don't think it's a waiting list. Cause no. I think, I think it's addressed as like your job, your health, yep. your age. That's how they're going to pick. But I'm glad I'm standing in line for sure. Me too. I heard 23,000 applied, which actually is not that much. So that's good for I heard you. It was 200,000. Maybe I got it completely wrong. You you just said twenty three. I didn't know. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I think thought, it was two hundred and thirty thousand. Well, we'll never get the fucking vaccine then. Well, but hey, you know what? No. Well, you know what? We're both essential employees. We are, unfortunately. So, so maybe that kind of bumps us up. I don't know. No, man. You know what? You, you you know, Eric got here, and the first thing he did was ask me like about my job, and of course, I'm going to ask him about his and his USPS, uh, his Federal Reserve adventures, and it is yes. kind of insane. Like, man. I go to work every day and it's funny because it's like, man, I got to go to work. Like, it, you know, you got to wake up in the morning and it sucks. But I can't lie. Like, I get I get in my work truck and I drive out to the field. I work in the oil field. And I'm He not, works out in the patch. I do. Yes, sir. I work in the patch. And I can't tell a lie, man. When I get out there, I'm like, fuck. Like, I'm happy. Thank God I still have my job. And, and, it, and I know it sounds crazy, but, like, I feel like a lot of people feel like that. And, hell, a lot of people don't have their fucking job. Right. So, especially restaurants or, or you know shit like that servers so it's just you know hey thank god i still have my job i often complain about my job I let's often, hear about it i eh? often think like damn i wish i didn't have a job you know what's funny well, hang, like, hang on we'll, i gotta i already got a story to tell though. well hang on we'll get to that okay okay remember that story but i just want to say vaccine okay, okay we'll, vaccine. we'll get through that real quick okay so you know um whatever it was in august or whenever we recorded like it's been it's been i feel like we've like lived like 15 years and what's insane is like my, my brother's wife. So my sister-in-law Sabra, shout out to Sabra, you know, she works at the hospital and she got her fucking second, uh, vaccine shot today, today, as we speak, mm -hmm. she's immune to COVID-19. I'm jealous. The reason I bring this up is like, it felt like a dream in August. Like right. hopefully there's a vaccine who right. knows. Right. right. And so I know everything is so like negative right now, but I, I will say like, how insane is it that like someone that lives in this house that we're in right now mm. has the fuck is immune to COVID-19. Right. So there's hope. I just hope we make it there. Sure. <laughs> but Eric, yes. tell me your fucking oh, USPS oh, okay. story. So, so we were just, we were just talking about how like we have a job and you're thankful to have a job and I am too, but how I often complain about having that job. And like, oftentimes I'll be at work and I'll think like, you know, like, fuck what they're telling me what to do. Or, you know, I hope I get caught doing something wrong. You know, like, <laughs> like, let them, you know, tell me something. You know right. what I mean? Like, that's just in my head. Right. Okay. So the other, I think it was yesterday or the day before, sometime this week, uh, uh, it's not unusual for the clerks. Not the unusual. To be loved uh, by anyone. To, whenever they're sorting the packages. Sure. To put a package on the wrong route. And oftentimes a supervisor will come out like as I'm on my route to bring it to me, like a, uh, a package that goes to my route. Right. So I'm on my fucking route. I'm just cruising this particular part I'm on. It's like curbside boxes, you know, where I'm going just box to box to box to box. Right. 
and I don't have my seatbelt on. <laughs> I'm making multiple trips to the mailbox, meaning like you're supposed to grab like all of a person's mail and then with, you know, one movement of the hand, open the mailbox and put it in at the same time. Right. You know, I'm, I'm like grabbing, you know, like the paper mail. Then they had like a little parcel I'm putting in. And while I'm doing all this, the postmaster of Carlsbad, New Mexico, walks up on me. Is some random ass house in the middle of nowhere? Well, not in the middle of nowhere, on my but route. In, yeah, in the middle of Carlsbad. To give me a package that should go on my route. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, fuck. I'm just doing all of these things wrong. Right. Right now. And she's just busting me. Doesn't tell me a goddamn thing. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, when I get back to the office, she's going to tell me something. Right. Nope. Haven't heard anything from her. So here's what it is, Eric. You are uh, incredibly important to the to that system because I'm guessing... Because I'm just breaking rules and they're not telling me anything? <laughs> but I'm guessing that you're quite needed at this establishment. I often think, what the hell would they do without me? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like I feel like you're probably the linchpin. Right. So um, I'm not surprised, but I don't know. I mean, how was the fucking, like, Christmas season for you? You know, it was like 10-plus-hour days every day. Uh, fortunately. Delivering toilet paper. Fortunately, it was often just my route. Right. It wasn't too often that I had to go help. Uh, and we don't want to help. No, no, I'm... I'm on the eight-hour list. <laughs> okay. Eight hours and I'm gone. I'm on the eight-hour list. I like that. I'm going to write that one down. Yeah, but uh, believe it or not, these last three days at work for me have just been eight-hour days. Nice. In fact, uh, today I got off half hour early. Nice. Did you skate? Where I did not skate because... Uh, this goddamn podcast. I knew we were going to do this. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. That's been super tight. Just, just uh, you know, decline finally. Uh, I think it's finally slowing down. The decline of Western civilization is happening as well. Right. So, uh, you know, I, and I guess just to like further what I was saying earlier about how like I often wish like they do try to tell me something and how I complain about like when I do need my day off, when I don't get my day off, you know, when I do have multiple days off. You know, by that third day, I'm often like, what the fuck am I doing? Oh, for sure. It's like I'm kind of, I, yeah, I want that third day off, but I'm also like, what am I doing? Yeah. No, like we, so, you know, I work eight days on and six days off. And six days off often, like by the, by the fucking like third or fourth day, I'm like, man, I feel like I'm missing shit at work. Right. And like, you, you know, it's kind of funny because it's like, well, why do you care? It's like, I don't know. Like I, cause I'm so ingrained in like the grind. Right. By the time I'm off, I'm like, I still got to work. I still got to work. So I, I I know what you mean, but no, I mean how how has so the new year has subsided? You're 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 you have less packages to deliver, right? Thank God, because I didn't want to have to read your skate Excel tweets about <laughs> <laughs> and how many fucking toilet papers that you fucking deliver. You know, surprisingly, that like there was an uptick again, right? You know, you know it wasn't like when shit first popped off in March and April. This second time around, it didn't last as long, right? Thank God. Thank God, yeah. Because that's just... You know how much room a fucking LL, of toilet paper picks up? LLV? Takes up right in the back of my vehicle? Yep. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, this is movie talk, but this isn't really... This is just sort of more like pandemic talk. And like, I, you know, it was funny because when I saw this in fucking... God, now that I think of it, September. I think it was September. You know, I saw a movie in a fucking theater mm. in September. 
and obviously it's pretty obvious. I mean, I tweeted about it, and you know, of Let's course, talk that movie. Well, you know, and we're not what we've been watching yet. And, and it's not horror, right? Well, it's not horror, so let's discuss it. So, <laughs> well, spoilers possibly coming up for the Christopher Nolan epic, Tenet. Now, I saw your fucking, uh, <laughs> your star rating on, okay. on Letterboxd. We'll get to that in a minute. Sure. But what I did want to sort of address was like, man, I went to see a fucking movie in an IMAX theater in like September. I wore masks. We went to the 11 o'clock. Me and my brother went. There was fucking nobody there. We used hand sanitizer. Was there genuinely nobody else in the auditorium? There was three other people, and they weren't near us. Mm. And those three other people wore masks. We all wore masks. We had fucking... Me and my brother had uh, uh, hand sanitizer spray. And we used it everywhere we went. It was... You know, so we were we were as safe as we could. But, you know, it's funny because around that time, I remember seeing, you know, some people I follow be like, hey... Don't go to the theater like it's dangerous and stuff. And I agree. And you know what? At that time, man, it was probably stupid. You know what I mean? But, okay, so with that out of the way, Mm -hmm. okay, man, I almost cried going to the fucking theater. Like, I wouldn't, you know, I got tears in my eyes whenever I sat down with my fucking drink, my fucking cookie dough bite candies, and fucking opened it up, and the IMAX screen lit up, and it was fucking shaking my seat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I really can't, you know, sort of put into words like, man, when this is done and we can go back to the theater, you know, I I can't, I can't wait. You know, it's funny because people are complaining about not being able to go to church, you know, and I always say like, fuck, the movie theater is my church Mm -hmm. and I can't go to my fucking church, you know? So I went in September and I'll say it, you know, it's funny. It's like a highlight of my year. I, I did a few things this year. But that was like if I had like a top four things I did this year, one of them would be seeing Tenet in IMAX. You know, I'm such a paranoid person that I feel like if I were to go to a theater that I wouldn't be able to focus on the film. Sure, sure. Did you suffer from that or did you so, feel like the film was enthralling enough to keep your attention? You know, uh, as as my brother, you know, shout out to Ben, you know, as, my, as Ben and I got to the theater, they were closed when we got there because we went to the first showing of the day. And we just stood away from people, and then there were a couple people inside, and we stood away. And, man, I will never forget. You know, it probably sounds dumb hearing it, like, of course, on an audio podcast. But, like, I will never forget, like, walking through. They they, they opened the gates. And it was like the gates of heaven. No, I'm just kidding. But they opened the gates because it's in a mall. It's the IMAX Theater in El Paso. Sure. Been there with and, you. And, you know, they opened the gates, and we walked in. I saw the carpet, and I saw fucking standees for uh, A Quiet Place Part 2. I saw standees for 007, mm. Fast and Furious, or whatever that fucking movie's called. And they Fast had, 9. They had posters up for Wonder Woman, which oh. eventually, like, now has upended the whole fucking industry. Right. And is now on HBO Max. And At I, least for this next year, right? Yeah. And I saw it, and you saw it. But, you know, it's just insane. We, we don't have to talk that one. Right. It's just... I actually really liked it. But it's just insane that, like, here I am in fucking September... I went and saw Tenet, and it was just this surreal moment standing in the theater. And we went and sat down, and it was surreal. Like, you know, it sounds, it probably sounds dumb. It was fucking surreal. Sitting mm. down, the lights went down, the movie started, and I thought, holy shit, man, I haven't been since, you know, fucking February. Right. Or whatever. And, and it's just, I'll never forget it in my whole life. It was, it was surreal. It was weird. You asked if it was weird. But I will say, when the movie started, Man, I was just so happy to be sitting in a theater with that. You know, I'm a big sound guy. You know, mm. I love fuck. I want. I want to be rattled. I want to. I want to walk out of there with my fucking ear blood, eardrums bleeding, right? And uh, let me tell you, Tenet 
My fucking eardrums were bleeding. So, yeah, we could talk the movie real quick if you want. Um, skip ahead like four minutes if you don't want to hear about Tenet. Uh, shout out to Wes. He doesn't want to hear about it yet. So, uh, I don't have a 4K TV or receiver, right? But, you know, I watched the 4K Blue, you know, because I have a, a Series X. I, I have the Steelbook. And, da. That 4K Blue hits, like, insanely hard. It, it shifted uh, aspect ratios, right? Uh, I, I guess I'm referencing the audio right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if there was aspect... Shout out to Ben Sturgill for installing your audio. If if there was the aspect ratio changes, I mean, that's kind of... I don't want to say that's his thing, but he's done that in previous films. I didn't notice. It did. If you did the 4K Blue, it did. Um. Anyway, I'm just talking, like, the sound off. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. And I guess, ultimately... I didn't understand what the fuck was going on. Sure. So that's why I didn't like the film. I guess not so much the film is bad. Sure. But because I couldn't follow it. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Well, we'll make it quick. Uh, just a reminder. Uh, we know it's a horror podcast. But, you know, Tenet, man, like, I and, and I will say, like, I'm biased, right? I went and saw it in an IMAX theater. I haven't, I've seen, I saw Invisible Man in fucking February or whatever it was. And then I saw Tenet in September. And I haven't been to a theater since. And, you know, in IMAX, you know, I feel like for me, Chris Nolan is more of a feeling director. Now, I know it starts to sound like, well, then how can you even review his films? And you can. You can review them however you want. For me, I choose to review it like it's a feeling. Chris Nolan, like he doesn't care about his dialogue, Mm -hmm. right? He didn't in Dark Knight Rises. He didn't in fucking Interstellar. He didn't in Dunkirk. You know, what's funny is like, you know, I heard people complaining about like the dialogue was inaudible. Sure. Did did you have a tough time during... Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I obviously in the opening scene, well, I don't know what anybody was saying. Now, I do, but I will say, like, I I saw Interstellar in IMAX, and I remember people saying, oh, I can't, you know, I couldn't understand the dialogue in Interstellar. And it's like, for me, one, I could, but two, even if I couldn't, like, he is creating a feeling, and (laughs) I hate to say the cinema, for me. I love, like, his, his, at times... Chris Nolan's not just making like it's not it's not purely a story film and none and, and none of his recent movies have been. They're more feeling, you know. It's emotion. It's a it's a it's cinema to me. So I really like Tenet. I don't think it's a fucking perfect movie by any stretch, but uh, I absolutely I haven't rewatched it because my IMAX viewing was so awesome. Do I understand every minute? No, but did I love the feeling it gave me? I loved it. Uh, well, I guess what I was just gonna say was. Back to the the audio was uh, I obviously watched it with captions, and I had no problems understanding it. Like I feel like I could have done it without captions. I almost wonder, like, did they change the mix for the Blu-ray? No, I mean, no, I, I mean, or was you, it just because I was in my comfortable home setting? I don't know. I mean, is your bass turned up? I don't know. Cause, cause like in IMAX, the bass is so loud. Oh, gotcha. At times, their voice also would mix into the bass. And so, like, I know what people are talking about. The same thing happened in, in Interstellar. But, there, you know, if actors are acting and they're emoting, I, again, this is just purely me. If people don't like this about, like, Chris Nolan movies, they're perfectly reasonable to not like it. I think it's – but, man, I just love the fucking scale, the fucking – boldness and how big he shoots it and that goes in with his audio mix it's definitely exciting yeah his audio mix is like it's basically people called it like an assault of on your senses well it wasn't mother 
<laughs> hey, I like Mother. I like Mother too. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Okay, Tenet. Fuck. We talked Tenet. Okay. Oh well. <laughs> I I meant to just mention Tenet. So, uh, but yeah, that's it. I really like Tenet, Eric. I don't know. I liked it, but sure. Um, it was I, a tough one for easy. Absolutely. And I'm surprised you stayed. Did you stay awake? I did. I did one sitting. Nice. You Two and a half hours. You weren't playing Skater XL while uh, you were uh, on a Sunday morning. Easy. On a, like a easy Sunday? like Sunday there morning. There you go, duh. Eric Hoff. Yes. Is that it for our bullshit at the beginning of the podcast? I think it was too much. There was an election. There's a pandemic. There's a vaccine. What else? There's Tenet. The USPS. Uh, my job. Yep. The USPNES. Trying to think. How are you? Okay. One last thing. Because I know people like you, right? I don't think people give a fuck about me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they really like you. How are you doing in this pandemic? Like like in terms of, um, let's just say, the pan, you know, the virus. Like how's your psyche right now? Um, like, what are you doing? Are you just going home every day and staying home? Yeah, exactly. 100%. Yeah. You know, or I go skate in my mom's driveway. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's been, I mean, just that. I come home from work. I'll go skate. Melissa will cook, play some video games. Shout out to Melissa. It's bedtime. I haven't really been watching movies at all. So I haven't watched that much, but what's blowing my mind is like the amount of when you tweet, like, how do you play all these goddamn video games? Ta, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad. Oh, the Series X. Because okay. final thing, and we'll get to horror movies. Okay, because I don't know, but, like, I feel like video games recently have been, like, I mean, I've, I've always played video games. Sure, we both, we both are big Halo fans, and, and yeah. But it seems like just video games recently have really been a huge source of just, like, entertainment and, Joy. Like, happiness for me. Sure. Uh, just last night I finished, uh, the new Spider-Man, Miles Morales. Yep. And it was amazing. On your, your launch PlayStation 4? 4? <laughs> no, not launch. I have a PS4 Slim. Um, but, uh, prior to that, I finished Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Now, duh, obviously the bar for 2020 is real low, but playing- for video games? No, no, no. In general. Okay. But playing through Ghost of Tsushima was like a highlight for me. Getting to play and experience that story was one of the best things that happened to me in 2020. Did you also, did you beat uh, Last of Us Part 2? I did. Okay. Don't say anything about it. I so I played the first game on my PS3, my actually, my fucking launch PS3. Okay. Um, and I don't have a PS4 or a PS5. So one day, Damn it. one day, oh, Eric's phone dropped on the floor. Uh, <clears throat> one day I will play, uh, part two and I, and I, I, I vowed to buy a new system for part two, but then the series X came out. So I'm like, fuck, I'll wait. So. Uh, I tweeted this, but I mean, this year I played days gone, uh, the last of us remastered the last of us part two predator hunting grounds, ghost of Tsushima and miles Morales. And what those all have in common is that they're Sony exclusives. Yeah. Now I'm a, I'm an Xbox guy. Yeah. But I mean, I'm gonna have to eventually cop a PS5. So, I've played, with a lineup like that. Yeah, no, for sure, they have the better exclusives. I've been playing, you know, Fortnite, um, Cyberpunk 2077. I'm I'm glad you brought up Cyberpunk oh, 2077. Shit. This is a horror podcast, let's, I promise. Let's. Okay. Oh, and uh, I forgot uh, Forza Horizon 4, which is fucking phenomenal. 
um, so for Christmas, I got uh, Miles Morales, the new Assassin's Creed in Cyberpunk 2077. Sure. And I knew I was going to play Miles Morales first because it was only like a 10-hour game. Yep. I knew I could take it out. And when I left to come here, I started installing Valhalla because I want to play something that is like for the Series X. Sure. Right. But what are your impressions? Yeah. Because obviously, if, if you're not a gamer, there's this new game, Cyberpunk 2077. Yep, from CD Projekt Red. It It's like, you know, a huge amount of hype. Sure. And then it launched with just like a ton of like buggy bullshit, especially if you're playing on older consoles. Yeah. So I want to hear how it's been for you. It's been great. On the so Series X. On Series X. Okay. Right, the newest Xbox. It runs at 60 FPS, and it it's great. It's awesome. I don't have a, you know, there's bugs, but did you ever play Fallout? I've never played a Fallout. So, and I'm super worried about Cyberpunk because I don't know how to play RPGs. Okay, well, my, you know, it's funny. My brother, shout out to Ben, he said the same thing, and he he's able to play Cyberpunk. Okay, good. So the one thing I'll say is, like, with all the performance stuff, I'm not saying it's perfect on Series X, but no, it's good. It's good. You it's should good. play it. It's fucking awesome. I'm like half, I think I'm halfway through the story. I was kind of excited because I read that like just the story. It's, it's just like 20 hours. 20 hours. Which is awesome. I agree. And I'm, I'm about halfway through it and uh, I'm loving it. Are you, I, are you like going off to like explore I'm doing, and I'm do doing bullshit other like shit. that? Or are you just like focusing on the story? Well, I'm doing other shit, but the problem with like open world games is getting caught in your head. Like, oh, I need to go do this. I need to go do this. I need to go do this. Um, what I've been, how I've been playing this open world game, Cyberpunk 2077, which is simply doing what I want to do. Right. And I will say some of the pieces of the story. And so this is the, this is why I'm halfway through it. Some of the pieces of the story, I really want to know what happens next. So I just fucking do the story and then I'll, I'll go off and do a couple other things, but then someone will call me in the game. So one of the characters I like, let's just say Judy. If you play the game, you know who Judy is. I'm like, Oh, I got to go fucking figure out what Judy wants because I really care, care about, about her. I care about her story as well as a character named Pan Am. Uh, I'm sure people out there know what I'm talking about, but you know, when those, when I can do the, those characters, I really want to do it. But aside, um, I have done some side quests, but yeah, I'm playing this game more like, fuck it. I want to play what I want to play. So I'm not trying to worry about like, I might miss this. I might miss that. I might miss this. Like this person called me. If I don't want to do it, I just fucking don't do it. Uh, like the side quests in, in terms of that. Gotcha. But no, it's, it's, yeah, it runs great on Series X. It's not perfect, but you, it's absolutely like, I'm going to say the word playable, but that try that sort of implies it's, it's, that sounds kind of bad and it's not, it's playable. It's good. It's good. And then I guess another reason I want to play through Valhalla first is because like, there's supposed to be updates, right. right? For cyberpunk. And so hopefully by the time I get to it, it's updated. Right. Well, Eric, enough mo talk, movie talk that isn't horror. Yes, sir. Shall we get to what we've been watching after you go pee? Yes. Hit the music so I can go pee. But I, 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 no, 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 that's too early. What the fuck is it? It's uh, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go. Okay. We'll be right back. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. 
the sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Don't you just fucking love that music? Uh, the let's go to the lobby music? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, you've finally reached what we've been watching, and we're going to talk horror movies. Finally. No, no more Chris Nolan movies. Maybe you should put, like, a disclaimer. Yeah. Be like, the, the, skip the, ahead 30 minutes if you want to hear horror movie talk. Or maybe that this podcast sucks, like, as a disclaimer. That, too. Yeah, that'd be a good start. You know what? So, Eric, here's the problem. Let's hear it. We haven't recorded in, like, fucking in a million years because right. of the pandemic. And, um, you know, we've, we, I'm sure we've seen a million movies. So tell me how you're going to do your, what you've been watching. I'll tell you how I'm going to do mine. Um, so normally like, let's say pre pandemic, I would always just keep track of what I watched so I could then come discuss it here on the pod. But, uh, as I just mentioned, I haven't really been watching film sure. because I've been obsessed with video games recently. And, uh, so what I simply did was I looked at. What I had been watching recently, what I had recently logged on Letterboxd. Sure. And I just picked the five most recent films that I wanted to discuss. So some of these movies have been out for a minute. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm going to finally get to talk to them. Finally talk them now. Yeah. And for me, you know, the problem is like I watched a lot of shit that ended up on my fucking list. Mm. So like, I mean, I don't think it's a big secret to say like the biggest release recently and like we should be talking right off the bat would be Freaky. Yes. But like I'm pretty sure like Freaky's gonna be on our fucking list. Like I don't think it's a secret. Right. Right. We like Chris Landon. We love Happy Death Day. Mm -hmm. So point being, let's wait on Freaky. Let's wait on Freaky. Right. And so like usually I like to open the podcast with like boom, banger, like the biggest thing out. But like because we we're talking doing... about my dick. I'm kidding. Keep going. <laughs> okay. But we're talking, you know, top tens. And so it's like if it's the biggest banger that's out, it's probably on our fucking top tens. Right. So exactly. with that in mind, Eric, yeah. would you like to go first? Would I'd you love like to, to go, go first? first. Okay, Eric, what I, have what have you been watching? I watched over the last fucking 18 months. The Barber Crampton produced Castle Freak. I feel like this was unceremonious. I just had, like, had a stroke. Did you watch it? No. I felt like this was unceremoniously released on Shudder. Sure. Like, when I saw that it was on Shudder, I was like, what? Like, I don't even think it went to VOD. Maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like it just, like, popped up on Shudder one day. Uh, I really, really liked the original Castle Freak, the sure. Stuart Gordon film. And uh, I was introduced to the original Castle Freak thanks to uh, Joe Bob and uh, The Last Drive-In. Have you seen that? The original no, Castle Freak? No, okay, no, no. Okay, so no. let me sum up. I was like, are you talking about fucking... E uh, I was going to say E-Bob, because I like to call you E-Bob. Right. Uh, so so just a quick uh, you know, summary of Castle Freak. Sure. Uh, it's about a young couple played by Jeffrey Combs and Barbara, Barbara Crampton. Who? Barbara Crampton, you know, two horror legends. Uh, they have a daughter who's blind, and they inherit a castle where it turns out something is living uh, uh, in the castle with them. But, of course, they can never see it. And, of course, the blind girl can't see it either. So, that's pretty much what the, the remake is. However, there's no parents. Now it's just a blind girl who inherits this castle. There's something already living in the castle. And I don't know if there's a term for this, but I want to come up for a term. When a, 
when a remake of a horror film decides to add more young characters and drugs and alcohol, like if that's going to spruce things up. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I would say maybe modernize. But is that what modernize is? Uh, well, Young people and yeah. drugs? Well, think it. Okay. I don't. I wouldn't. Eric, I would describe that as modernization. Well, what did they do to the Friday the Thirteenth remake? There's always been sex, but there's in, always been drugs in those but films. Is, have they? Have they always like invaded a weed farm or whatever the fuck? Like, no, there was a hippie smoking weed in part three, but that's it. We were already used to it. I guess. Yeah. Sure. I guess the, my in my other example. Is the Wizard of Fucking Gory? Why are you talking about these movies, Eric? Because I'm giving an example where the originals did not have these things, and then sure. the remakes decide we need. And you know what? I want more sex. Yeah, I, I want more youngness. Whoa! You know, I want. I know, want it all. Yeah, but you know what? I guess the original films showed us that we don't need that. Sure. How about that? Okay. Okay. So. This movie was just bad, da, in the sense of like I didn't like how the castle freak was portrayed. This is kind of a dumb uh, uh, complaint, but there's scenes where the monster will attack one of the young kids, and it's literally a shot of the castle freak, and the castle freak, like for lack of a better description, like punching them or something. We're just seeing the castle freak, right? It's just the monster, like almost like a POV. No, no, not. No, no, not even that. It's like the camera is just focused on the monster, and then it'll cut to the character that was just attacked, and like their guts or something are hanging out. Okay. I'm like, God, this is bad. Like, yeah, couldn't even show us both of them on screen at the same time. Is Barbara Crampton in the film? Barbara Crampton is not in, in the remake. Now, that's tough. Having just knocked the castle freak, I'm gonna say watch it. <laughs> okay. Because why do you say <laughs> there is a post-credit scene in this film that has me very excited for what may come, and I will just stop and what there. Will likely never come. It's possible it will likely never come, but it 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 hints towards something. Okay, and when that happened, I was like, okay. let me guess, this is a legacy sequel. This is not a legacy. No, okay. Um. I can't say it because it's a spoiler. Sure, I can't say it. But so ultimate ruling on Castle Freak, shitty. But watch it, and it's on Shutter. It's on Shutter, and it's produced by Barbara and he, Crampton. And you know what? Shutter's amazing. Yep, for six, seven dollars a month or whatever it is. So you know you can watch the Castle Freak, the Castle Freak remake because you're getting so much other qualityness. Right, that Shutter has to offer. And that that was the Castle Freak remake. <laughs> what? Bro. Okay, let me ask you this. Why did you pick that to be one of your five fucking films you were going to talk? Because I need people to see that post credits. Oh, that post credits. Okay. I need to be able to talk to somebody. What was funny was I it, told Shane saw that. And then when who? he Shane saw. Which is funny that we've gone this long in a Ghoul Squad episode without mentioning him. Shane, Kayla, who else? Uh Dream Warrior. Yep, Dream Warrior. Log Lady. The the usual ben. suspects. Um, oh, Lucas Middleton, what's up, bud? Yes, I, I just started following him on Twitter, so Ugh. shout out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was funny because I told him for that reason you need to watch this film, and then after he did, he like texted me in all caps what had just happened right in the post credit scene because it's potentially a game changer. Let me guess. Nah, is it related to Reanimator? Well, don't tell me. 
I feel like the way you're talking, it sounds like it is. I'm just going to shoulder shrug you, Doc. Okay, Doc. Call, um, call me Side Mission Sally and Shoulder Shrug E-Doc. Shoulder Shrug E-Doc. I like yeah. that. You know what? That does kind of sum you up. Yeah, yeah. So let's hear. Let's, what, what, what's a film you've been watching? Well, okay. So I want to start with something I'm actually pretty passionate about. Okay. And then talk Tenant again? <laughs> well, Christopher Nolan's no. Um, no. So, you know, earlier this year, I talked about what I thought was going to be my favorite TV of the year. I think it was The Outsider. Okay. And actually, ultimately, The Outsider, just as a quick Outsider update, this is The Outsider on HBO, and it's mostly directed by Jason Bateman. You know what's crazy is that was pre-pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, uh, I'm sorry, January January. Now, there's new HBO January horror. Yeah. Have you heard about this? 30 Coins. No. It's uh, Alex D'Iglesia. Oh, Alex D'Iglesia. Yeah. Did I pronounce that right? I don't I would have said Alex Iglesias. That's what I would have said. He has a new show that just started Monday night. Nice. So maybe we'll get to that in the next six months of the episode. Well, I'm glad you're talking about all this because, you know, early in the year, I was very excited about um, The Outsider. And this could be the same thing, but I don't know if you remember earlier this year, I also spoke about Mick Garris's The Stand. Okay. All right. So this, the, and I, and I said, Josh Boone, the guy that directed The New Mutants, which yes. wasn't good. I didn't watch it yet. Uh, I haven't seen it either. But um, I said Josh Boone is working on a new stand. Mm. And it was it was, it was was made pre-pandemic and supposed to premiere in December. Well, it premiered. Mm. And it's three episodes in. The Stand. CBS. Which, right? CBS All Access. Okay. And so you have to get CBS All Access. It premieres every Thursday. We're three episodes in. The fourth one is tomorrow. And, um, you know, I, I, I had this year bought the Blu-ray for it was actually a remastered Blu-ray for the original The Stand, the Mick the TV miniseries, and I had just raved about it. I loved that Mick Garris The Stand. Now it had the same sort of like, you know, TV moviness that that, that sort of uh, it has the original TV movie for it. But if you look past that, I loved it, and and I remember saying at that time, man, it's so weird because. You know, I'm watching this and people are walking into a store and someone's coughing. So the stand is about a global pandemic that kills, I think it's 7 billion people. So 1% of people on earth live or something like that. And it's insane. So I would say Eric probably don't watch the stand. Hmm. But you made it through contagion, okay? If you made it through contagion, you can do the stand. So, you know... And the stand is ultimately, you know, I don't think it's a spoiler to say, you know, the battle of good and evil. That's what the stand is. And ultimately, I love this shit. So long story short, CBS All Access is the stand. I'm three hours in and I fucking really like it. Mm. Really, really like it. You know, I'm watching it and the episode ends. And I remember thinking, I told my brother, you know, I'm a huge fan of Damon Lindelof's The Leftovers. I'm a huge fan of that show. If I had to make a top five shows of all time, The Leftovers would be on it. And it's funny because I told him, you know, I said, man, I really think you need to start the stand with your wife, you know, Sabra. And he's like, well, why do you, you know, he's like, okay, is it really that good? And I was like, no, but you know what? It's giving me leftover vibes. And I figured out what it is. In The Leftovers, like people, I always describe The Leftovers as like, everyone is a fucking asshole in The Leftovers. Like everyone's a shitty person. And, I, and the reason why is everyone is melancholy because The Leftovers is about people disappearing from the planet, and they don't know why. And so everyone's sort of lost hope for the world. And The Stand is giving me that. Now, mm. if you don't want that right now, do not fucking watch The Stand because it's about a flu 
that kills everybody but 1% of people. 99% of people die from this flu called Captain Trips flu. But, you know, I love shit like this. And, you know, it's kind of funny because I feel like there will be more stuff on this podcast where it's like, hey, this speaks to me. And, and, and I'm always trying to figure out why. But I will at least to talk about this, um, it's really well directed. Like, I'm shocked. I don't know Josh Boone. I've never seen any of his other films. But it's like artfully directed it's like has he done something other than new Mu- new mutants something before that and i can't fucking remember it. Oh, okay but um you know i often talk about like adult storytelling and by that you know i think people would would think like oh like the walking dead and it's like no that's a violent show but i don't to me the walking dead is not adult storytelling mm. adult storytelling to me is like the themes right that's about loss it's about you know the fight for the end of the world it's about you know ultimately everything I really like is always about loss or faith. And the stand is fucking all of that. And of course the leftovers is all about faith. The whole point of the leftovers is faith. It's, um, you know, people's belief. And so anyways, the stand, I say all that. I hope I didn't get lost in it. It's about a pandemic, but it's really, really, really artfully directed. I'm really surprised by that. When I started, I was like, man, I hope this isn't The Walking Dead, which is just fucking paint by numbers, zombie, shoot, fucking characters die. Who gives a fuck? And The Stand so far for three hours is not that. So CBS All Access, The Stand, three hours in. Uh, I wanted to pick that first because it's airing right now. And man, if you're interested in anything like that, now get prepared because you're going to see people cough and die from a flu. And so it's kind of, you know, it's a, uh, you know, incredibly prescient right this is going on right this minute but um it's not quite as bad as the fucking stand the stand is you know 99 percent of humanity dies um and then of course uh there's the battle for good and evil which is a different that's that's a a separate part from the flu but they go hand in hand long story short stephen king's the stand we have not addressed that yet i forgot about that we're at my brother's house and Colby Jack Cheese, the dog. I feel like he's been quiet. This is the first time. He he has Colby. What's going on, bud? What I thought was funny. Did you hear that? When I arrived to the house, there were several packages outside, but you chose to leave them outside. Well, I was trying to make sure. So here's the thing. We're wearing <laughs> masks and I'm trying to be respectful. So I was like, let me get out of the way and let's just record. Okay. So I was trying to get ready for the pod. Gotcha. Uh, but you're right. <laughs> Those My packages bro- are still just hanging outside. God willing. I hope somebody fucking took them. <laughs> and with that, Eric, I was talking to Stand. You were. CBS All Access. Check it out. If you like shit I like, uh, which is fucking, and I'll address more of this in my top 10. Uh, downtrodden. Let's just say if you enjoy watching a TV show like Chernobyl, where people pull up a dump truck full of bodies and dump it into a pit and pour dirt over it, that's the stand. And I love shit like this. Uh, let's keep talking uh, TV shows. Yes, go ahead. Did you watch Lovecraft Country? You know, I watched the first two hours and I never made it past that. That's interesting you say that because I watched the first episode and didn't make it past that. But that first episode was like really good. Really good. I don't know why I didn't stick with it. I don't know. You know, there was something about the second hour that was too, all of a sudden, you know, I have no room to talk on this show. I've only seen two hours. The second hour, all of a sudden I was like, ooh, this feels like TV. And I pulled back and I never mm. finished it. Um, so I don't know. I heard it was great. I heard everybody loved it. So I need to revisit it. You know, I love uh, black storytelling and I love monsters. Sure. I don't know why I didn't stick with it. I wonder if there's going to be a film on your list. 
Hmm. Hmm. We'll get to that. Yes, we will. So, Eric, that was the stand. Uh, I really like it so far. And, oh, <laughs> I brought up The Outsider to say, maybe on our next episode I'll say, you know, I ended up not liking it that much. Did you... Did you? I remember you hadn't finished The Outsider the last time we talked. No, and I have now. I liked it. I was over it. I liked it. I was on board like every episode. I really liked it, but uh, for the ending to be a guy sitting—well, spoilers—you know, for The Outsider, I would have preferred a monster, monster, sure. Yeah, I think to build up such a finale to be so fucking nothing. I when yeah. it was when it was over. Well, what you just did, Eric just shrugged. And I what, liked it, G. Exactly what when when the Outsider on HBO ended, I shrugged and said, "Eh." Hmm. And you know, those first two episodes that are directed by Jason Bateman, where he fucking comes out of that forest and he has fucking blood all over his mouth and he smiles at the kid. Mm-hmm. I was like, "This is the fucking greatest thing I've seen this year." Hmm. It was January. And then, Little did we know we're about to enter a pandemic. And then the rest of it's not as good. But I really liked it. You I, know what? I even thought it was scary. Like, there's like parts where, help me out, the character who's like, uh, she's the she's the one from like other Cynthia Revo. That's the character's name, or that's, that's the, the actress's actress? name. Oh, when she's like doing research on what this like entity could be, and she's like oh, in the Cuco. bath. That was scary. Yeah. That was creeping me out. I thought it was really good. I thought it was well-directed. I will say I felt like this was adult <laughs> storytelling. I, I forgot that it was El Cuco. <laughs> and largely, Thank you for reminding me of El Cuco, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Eric. Um, I will say that you know this, this did feel like adult storytelling, and that was why I liked it so much. But I feel like to build up to the end, I, th- I thought the ending was just like, just n- I thought it was nonsense. And I feel bad because guess what the ending of the book is? It's that. that. Oh. So, you know, it's Stephen King. Ultimately, with Stephen King, it always ends with a giant alien fucking sewer spider. Sure. And it's always a disappointment. So, with that being said, oh, the stand. Giant alien sewer spider. So, we'll see where... Oh, real quick. Dibs on that being my next imaginary horror punk band name. (laughs) Real quick, I will say, um, uh, they announced that Stephen King wrote a new ending for the stand. For this for stand. this, oh, okay. So what's really exciting to me is I'm watching it so far and I've seen the original. And of course, it's a book, but I don't know how to read, right? So I've seen the original uh, miniseries and I know how that ends, but they mm. they wrote a new ending like with, you know, t- with 2020. In this mind. was all made before the pandemic, but with modern implications. Right. So I'm really excited for that. That was the fucking stand, Eric. Uh, get to something else. Okay. This was one that I was very excited to get to. Uh, Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. Is this not going to be on your list? This is not on my list. Yeah. Are you just going to fucking do that the entire goddamn episode? Yes. I feel like you've never done that before. You just started. This is a new thing for Kiki making ooh noises. Okay. Shout out to Lucas and Ben. Okay. So, uh, Brandon Cronenberg. And and all gas, no brakes. So, Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor is about a woman. Before you you get started, Eric. Okay. I have a confession to make. It's on your list. I haven't seen Possessor yet. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I know. Well, this yeah, is. I feel like you're just giving me shit for it not making my list, no. and now this motherfucker tells me he ain't even fucking watched it. The reason I bring this up is every oh Possessor, Possessor. Every it's it's, every, it's on everybody's top five. Well, guess what? I didn't like it. No, oh. I didn't like Possessor. <laughs> okay. All right, tell us about Possessor. Eric. Okay, I will. So it's certainly not a bad movie. That's for sure. Uh, it's about this woman. Uh, she's a, a hit person. 
Is that right? Sure. Not hit man. Hit woman. Hit woman. Right. Hit girl. There's oh, this technology else. where they're able to possess is it, is somebody. Is it Jennifer Jason Lee? It is not Jennifer Jason Lee. It's the woman who was in Mandy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm afraid I don't know her name. Andrea... Schlossenberg. Eric was making a motion like the fucking flying spaghetti monster. Go ahead. Right. So uh, there's this technology where they are able to literally possess someone. Uh, She is controlling them and she will carry out a hit. Sure. She will kill somebody. Murder someone. She invades their brain and then uses their body. And it's kind of perfect in the hit world since because you know they can never link it back to her doing it because it's it's seemingly it's seemingly someone else who's committing the murder right however the implication is it takes a huge toll on her brain on her mentally like every time she comes out of a hit they have to like ask her basic questions like if she can remember who she is right so as the film progresses she wants to continue doing but she's losing kind of grip on her sanity gnarly ass violence and gore da it was just too fucking slow for e-dog really it was just too goddamn slow for e-dog i totally understand why people are just jerking this film off right 100 percent. i can see it and you and you saw antiviral as well right i've never seen antiviral okay that's brandon cronenberg's first film uh i get the hype but it was just it wasn't there for e-dog did you watch possessor uncut i did watch possessor okay. uncut as far as i know is there a cut there is version out. Okay. There is, and I and I say all this. I have not seen the film, mm. but um, yeah, I, I, I um, I was gonna mention this, but I'll, I'll talk about it later. Uh, the the Shockwaves people have a new podcast, right? Uh, and it's just two of them now, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's my two favorites. It's uh, Elric and uh, Rebecca right. McKendry. Um, yeah, no. So they they why, talk- why wouldn't they ask Ryan to come? I'm guessing Ryan's too busy. Okay, because he run. You know, he's over there at Blumhouse. Blumhouse. Right. So um. Yeah, it's been interesting to to listen to it. It's called All the Colors of the Dark. Correct. Um, and I really I like how they name their pods after films. Yeah, I can do too. I address something, Da? No. Okay. All the Colors of the Dark is a Jilo, right? A what? Am I not? Am I mispronouncing? A Jalulu. A, a Jilo, right? Yeah. Okay, help me out. Okay. Okay, just okay. I'm a little high up my ass right now. Really? But a Jilo, if you don't know. Is a yellow film. Is an Italian murder mystery, right? Yes. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. And the way and the and the reason that term came about is because these were based off Italian murder novels. Yes. And often their covers were yellow. Yes. So in Italian, yellow is gyllo, so that's how the genre got its name. So just today I saw where James Wan's new film, Malignant. Right, has been and rated, it's rated R for grisly, gruesome violence. Is rated R, right? Exactly, and, th- and this is a film that we're just gonna get to see day one in our house. I hope I go see it in the theater, which is crazy because it's it's part of this HBO Warner Brothers yeah. Max deal, whatever. Warner Brothers Max. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they'll like that. Okay, so shout out to Warner Brothers. Okay, so when I saw that article today, they were calling it a gylo. Yes. Okay. I'm going to keep going, and I'll get to my point. Okay, the new Danzig movie, I've seen people calling it a spaghetti western. Here's my thing. Gylos and spaghetti westerns were made in Italy by Italians. Sure. 
So films today can be influenced by Jalos, can have Jalo and Spaghetti Western characteristics, but I feel unless the film was made in Italy by Italians, Malignant isn't a fucking Jalo, and this new Danzig movie isn't a Spaghetti Western. So my response to that would just be simply what they're talking about is like, you know, I don't think they know what they're talking about. Though. Black glove killer with a murder sure, mystery. Sure. A whodunit like Right. That, but don't right? call it a giallo. Really? I mean, I, giallo. Don't call it a spaghetti whistle. So, you know, is the editor a giallo? See, I feel like we're crossing hairs now. Is that the correct term? Cutting hairs? Splitting hairs? Splitting hairs. There you go. Gi- the editor is specifically trying to Anything, mimic that. Yeah. So, sure. technically, on a technical level, aren't they Canadian? Astron 6? Yeah. <laughs> what about that one Western that was all bloody as fuck? The one that I'm sure you saw. Um, fuck, I can't remember what it's called. It was actually Italian, I think. Oh, uh, Let the Corpses Tan? Yes, that's exactly right. Was that Italian? Uh, I actually don't know Okay. what country of origin that Well, let's, let's continue so, on your rant. So, so I guess I'm just ranting, you're sure. right. But I just kind of feel like Malignant's a murder mystery. How sure. about that? That's just that's just E Dog being up I his think ass. Giallo is shorthand. I mean, the, sure. the actual genre. You're right. Is like from you know Italian cinema from the late '60s into the '70s to the '80s, which Black Glove Killer uh, and a, and a usually a whodunit. But I don't know if you know, but like some, of course you know, Giallos aren't always like Black Glove Killers either. It's like it's all that sort of murder mystery. It, what 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 today is called airport fiction, but just in in Italy. So like today. What's insane? Like, I don't know if you, you ever realize that like Gone Girl would technically be more like a giallo now? Okay. Because that's like airport fiction, right? Of like a whodunit sort of, uh, there's violence, there's sex, there's, sure. right? And, and it's funny because like Fincher has always had like a giallo, an Italian um, sort of sensibility, especially Seven and Zodiac. Right. And I feel like his giallo, which again is not a giallo, I know that, but I feel like it's like Gone Girl. Mm. Uh, or even fucking his girl with dragon tattoo. But, but again, I think it's just shorthand. I don't think they're actually saying it's definitively Jalo Jalo. Right. Right. Okay. That's just me being up my ass. Sure. Well, and we like that. Sure. We like to be up your ass. Well, okay. So (laughs) Eric, that was, uh, that was possessor. (laughs) That was my rant on Jilo's and spaghetti. So, you know, I feel like we do this a lot. Let's get that out of the way that possessor apparently is not on either of our lists. Cause I didn't see it. It's not on my list. So here's what happened. I watched, we'll get to it. I watched a film that may have werewolves in it instead of possessor leading up to this podcast. Uh, because possessor was two hours and the other film was fucking 84 minutes. So, long story short, I fucking missed Possessor. I'm going to see it. I'm, I'm going to tell you to watch it. I was going to say, I'm sorry, ghoul squatters out there. All 10 of you. Ghoul squatters? Squatters, yeah. Like T-T-E-R-S. There you go. And with that. Uh, I my, keep going or you nope, want to do one? My next film. Go for is it. It's called. So, Chainsaw Massacre. Hello, bud. Um, he was yelling at everybody recently, why haven't we all seen this movie? He's right. You're right. You've seen it. I just... I'll explain. It's a holiday film. And unfortunately it was released in the U S in like February, two years ago. And because of that, I was like, I'm not going to fucking watch that. It's a Christmas movie. And I never saw it. And now this Christmas, Christmas and the snow's coming down. I finally saw Anna, 
in the apocalypse. About time, Doc. And, you know, I'm not going to go on about it. You've talked about it. Everybody's talked about it. I just wanted to say that, yes, everyone's right. Shane, you're right. Eric, you're right. This is a fucking delight. Mm. Um, I would I would put this in the in the in the fucking category of this is a fucking delight. Um, I really liked it. And the apocalypse is uh, UK. I'm assuming I think it's British. Yeah. And um, you know, to be honest, it has it's it's so influenced by Shaun of the Dead. Um, that basically picture that Shaun of the Dead is a musical. And I and the reason I'm going shorthand on it is because we've already talked about it a lot. Well, I have to ask, what's your favorite track? What's your favorite number? Well, the best. Okay, that's two different questions. My favorite track is, of course, no such thing as a Hollywood. That's and, my favorite. But Ooh, my, my favorite Ooh, moment in the film is the Shaun of the Dead scene, which I wish was in a one shot. But when she wakes up and walks down the street, but that's not my favorite moment. My favorite moment is when her and her best friend dance in the graveyard. Dude, I was just going to say that. Holy fucking shit. I, that, that is such a fun moment. So awesome. Yes. Um, there's a moment and where. That's probably my number two track. Uh, so I, it's a great track. The best track is No Such Thing as a Hollywood Ending. Right. But, um, man, you know, I, I, I almost shed a tear. It was so joyful. Yeah, it's watching, so fun. Watching them, like, dance, dance. and the way they're dancing. It's, and like, goofy. Each. It's fun. Yeah, and the music, and it's in a fucking graveyard. What's funny, it's, it's almost like a moment of, like, celebrating life. Absolute bliss. Yeah. In my opinion. Like, I, I looked over to – I watched this with my, you know, big shock. I talk about my brother a lot. You know, I watched this with my brother and his wife, Sabra, and I looked over to them when that ended, and I was like, that was fucking amazing. Yeah. Watching them dance in the graveyard, just so fun. Like, it's bliss. That is fucking cinematic bliss. Um, it's a great film. It's a lot of fun. I don't think this is, like, something, you know, I, I don't think this is, you know, I think Shaun of the Dead is, like, one of the greatest movies ever made. I just think Animal Apocalypse is really good. Like, I, you know, I don't think this is, like, the greatest movie ever, but um, maybe it's because I had it hyped a lot coming into it. But I really liked it. Really liked the songs. Really fun. Great gore. Um, surprises. You know, people die you don't expect. People live you don't expect. And um, I know that kind of sounds general, but generally in a film like this, you know, you think things are going to go a certain way and they go completely not the way you thought. And uh, I like that. I like when films are, you know, realistic about life and things like that. So long story short, I really fucking like Out of the Apocalypse. Everybody knows that. It's on VOD everywhere. Every Christmas, somebody check out Anna and the Apocalypse. You know, I have no problem skipping uh, Halloween films come on come October. Yeah. I didn't watch Halloween this year. I, I didn't watch Trick or Treat or last year. But come Christmas, I'm not going to miss Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I'm not going to miss Anna and the Apocalypse. Those movies are just... So for me... So... I, they're just so good. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, it's Black Christmas first, then it's Silent Night, Dead of the Night, then it's Krampus, um, and then I would say probably Anime Apocalypse for now. You know what's funny is is I love those songs so much, I would I would love to listen to them outside of the film, but I don't want them to lose their power. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So just every time I pop on that film, you know, come 12 months from now, I'm going to just, you know, be loving it again. It's like how we've talked about, like, it's hard to listen to a score outside of the film because um it, it, you know you feel like you're you're taking the power away from the the images right and i will say like man we were talking tenet there is one track on that fucking uh score that is it's ludwig Göransson or whatever the guy that did oh by the way the fucking mandalorian and um 
God damn, it's good. But long story short, yeah, I really like the enemy apocalypse. Um, yeah, I watched a lot of Christmas horror this year too. And I guess this is a good spot. <clears throat> this is a good spot to sort of just mention that. Like I rewatched black Christmas and guess what? Every year I say the same fucking thing on this podcast, which is every year that movie gets better better and better to me i really think like i tweeted like this is the cadillac of christmas horror i tweeted that this year and bob clark's black christmas from 1974 man i could sit i could just soaking up the atmosphere in that movie is is that's christmas to me like that fucking movie is so so good and then of course silent night deadly night which i absolutely fucking love uh, I recently had my mind blown about Bob Clark. Did you know that he did a sequel to A Christmas Story? A Summer Story. And it's the same family. Yes. But it's different actors. Yeah, so it's like, it's bullshit. But yeah. So I want to watch it. I didn't know that there was a fucking follow-up to that. You didn't know that? I, I, that blew me away when I fucking read that tweet. But, you know, it's almost like, you know, the what is it? The Jesus Rolls or whatever. What is that new Big Lebowski movie? <laughs> yeah. It's similar to that where it's like, eh, not really. What's what's weird about the Jesus Rolls is it's it's a remake of like a 70s French film. And it's just related, I like, guess. Like I wonder if that was the only way John Turturro could get like financing was if he brought back the Jesus. That's you know a, what I mean. That's yeah, yeah. Um, um but yeah, that that blew me away that there's a follow-up to a Christmas story by yeah. Bob Clark. So a Christmas story is my favorite Christmas movie, and so it's only right that Bob Clark's, you know, horror movie with about Christmas is, you know, it's funny, we did our top five Christmas horror, and we both had Silent Night, Deadly Night as number one. And I'll say that was like three or four years ago. Man, my number one's fucking Black Christmas now. Mm. Like, I just think it's the most gorgeously shot, you know, um, uh, Scream Factory did a, a new 4K scan of it. It is one of the fucking prettiest movies I've ever seen. And um, I just, I, I, I don't know if I sound insane, but just the way that movie looks, man, that's, to me, that's Christmas and same with A Christmas Story. Uh, and just how mean fucking spirited black Christmas is too. Um, anyways, I was talking about the apocalypse. Everyone's right. Fucking watch it. And the main thing I wanted to bring up is the dance in the graveyard. Mm, so um, good. It's just cin- cinematic bliss to me. So that was the end of the apocalypse and some Christmas horror. Eric, give me something else. You'll appreciate this. You're wearing a psycho t-shirt right now. Yes. I, I watched psycho Two. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yes. I loved it. Really good. Super good. Uh, I was so fucking on board for this film. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, like me, up until I think a month ago, you texted me that the Psycho box set was one of Amazon's lightning deals. Back it was in, like twelve ninety nine Back in October, right. It's, I was like, fuck it, I'll order it. Quick note, I before that box set came out from Universal, I got one from, uh, actually it's an Australian release. It's like $89, bro. That's how much you paid for and, it? And it was all region free. And I was like, I need it because it's fucking, it's actually Psycho 1, 2, 3, and 4 and the remake all in the box set. Okay. On Blu-ray. Um, so when I sent you that, I was like, bro, you have to buy this. It's fucking twelve ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Uh, so the film picks up in like 83? Yes. I, I think the film, I think the year the film was released is the year the film takes place. Yes. Is that fair? Is that right? Um. Norman's been let out. Yes. Uh, he is going back to take care of the hotel, the motel. Uh, but murders start happening again. And we, the viewer, do not know if it's Norman 
or somebody else. Yes. And I was so on board for like the mystery. I was so on board for whatever angle the story wanted to go. And then as like an extra like cherry on top, the violence is harder. Yeah. Uh, I really, really liked it. I haven't gotten any further in the box set. I haven't gotten to three or four yet. Um, three is really, really good. Two is definitely you've reached the height. But three is, I mean, it's great. It's fucking really good. Mm. So, you, I mean, definitely watch three. Um, I really, really, I'm, I'm really happy that like uh, I've, I cleared a blind spot. Yeah, for you, me. you know, it's odd. You know, I, I only watched them like maybe four years ago when I got that box set. I think it was four or five years ago. And, um, you know, because I love Psycho. I've always loved Psycho. And to see that movie, you know, it's definitely not high art. Like, like I think Psycho is fucking, it's Hitchcock. It's fucking high art. But that second movie is like fucking great. It's super good. Yeah. Really good. So like if you haven't seen Psycho 2 and you like fucking Bates Hotel or fucking Psycho, uh, please. So what was funny was I got that box set and I'm like, hey, babe, have you seen Psycho? I'm talking about Melissa, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's like, I've never seen Psycho. And I'm like, come on. You've never seen Psycho? Uh, at least... Has pop culture ruined it? Sure. For you. And she's like, no, I've, I've never seen Psycho. So I'm like, okay, we have to watch Psycho. So I'm popping Psycho on. Well, I'm popping Psycho on. I pop Psycho on. And it's the remake. And uh, it finally makes it to when uh, Marion makes it to the motel. Uh, spoilers for Psycho in case no one's seen Psycho. Go ahead, Eric. Okay. And, uh, well, this is true because Melissa hasn't seen it. Um, so my brother's wife, Sabra, my sister-in-law hadn't seen it either. So I showed it to her uh-huh. and she was scared by it. Really? And I was like, yes, this is what the, I live for this. I fucking go ahead. So she was like, wait a minute. Is this, and, and I guess my thinking was like, wow, that's so awesome that she's going to get to see like, you know, the reveal unsullied. Right. Exactly. But then when they get to the motel, she's like, oh, does this have anything to do with the A&E show Bates Motel? Duh. And I was like, <laughs> yes. And so she had seen all of that. Sure. And so I just think it's funny that she saw all of Bates Motel, but had never seen Psycho. Yep. So once we made it to that point in the film, she knew what was coming. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I was joking. Just, just so everybody knows out there, I think everybody knows. The Bates Motel series on A and E is is in my top five TV shows of all time. So I love it, I love it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm glad you watched Psycho too, Dal. That's exciting. Yeah, I really liked it. It's really good. If you haven't seen it, and you like Psycho or Bates Motel, fucking watch it. It's, it is, it is actually surprising. Like you'll watch it, and you'll be like, wow, this is like a really good movie that no one talks about. Mm. Like unless you like Psycho, nobody fucking talks about that movie. It's super good. Really good. Uh, it's like expensive too. Uh. Is that it for Psycho? That's it for Psycho, Doc. Psycho 2. Uh, I'll make this quick. Do you want to quickly just mention The Babysitter 2? Sure. Did you watch it? Of course. So I did too. What is it called? Killer Queen or whatever? Killer Queen, I think so. Um, Yeah, no. I liked it. (laughs) Well, Eric knows, right? So I'm a McGee hater, and this is the director of, you know, uh, The First Babysitter, which I think is actually a really well-made movie. Um, it has cringy shit in it, but it's pretty good. And this was like, turn the cringe up to a thousand 
like this was rim of the world bad for me you know i like it but sitting here right now i can't remember a goddamn thing about it yeah i mean he has that mick g has that michael bay nature where it's like fly by night worthless crap and so i agree but uh (laughs) i enjoyed it watching it yeah you know let me read my notes so we can just move on okay my notes for babysitter 2 were cringy bad mick g uh pissing joke there was like a joke where like they were gonna I don't even want to talk about it. There was something about uh, peeing on somebody in the movie. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. Um, Mick G thinks that's funny. Uh, let's see. I'm sure I laughed at it, Doc. Uh, well, I can't reveal the end. Fuck. Long story short, I put ultimately more trash humor. And yeah, I mean, I just didn't really like this. I liked the first movie enough, but this was just more like trash to me. Um I will say the ending had a little bit of excitement that I was like, ooh, um, but not enough. Uh, I wish Sam Weaving was in this movie. I'll leave it at that. Hmm. So there you go. I, okay. The only reason I think the fucking babysitter works is I think Sam Weaving is so fucking good in that first babysitter. I enjoy the supporting cast. The supporting cast is a bunch of Vine people. I, I don't know why that bothers you. Just because they, they blew up on one platform. Because they're not actors and they just say like one-liners and it's fucking... I don't know. I'm miserable, Eric. I don't really... I, I don't like comedy. What, what is an actor, da? You know what, Eric? Yes? What a great point. I mean, I mean, somebody somewhere was a Vine actor at one point. Sure. Um, Maybe no. it wasn't Vine. I say Vine actor to portray that I don't think they're exactly very good. Okay. But no, you know, uh, I was just going to say that I think the verse, the first babysitter is so good because Sam Weaving is so good, Samara, Samara Weaving. And she's not really in the second movie, just say that. And so I feel like it suffers. Now it's just way worse. But I will say that Bella Thorne has a, a line that she says, fuck me pumps, about her shoes. I thought that was funny. Mm. And that's about it. That's a babysitter that's too, babysitter killer queen. Too. You want to go to another one? Let's go to another one, Doc. What you got? Oh, I'll just quickly do. I got a bunch of like quick stuff. Haunt. Ooh. So. Haunt is really good. Holy shit. Again, Shane Saw Masker and Eric Hoff told me Haunt's good. And guess what? You guys are right. Man, Haunt is good. You know, let me explain what I was concerned about with Haunt. Haunt to me. So, Haunt is a pretty recent movie. Scott Woods, Scott. Be- I can't remember their names. The guys that wrote. Beck uh, and Woods. Yes. The guys that wrote A Quiet Place. Right. They wrote this movie and I believe directed it before A Quiet Place came out. So it's small. But Haunt, to me, the problem with movies like this, for me, are always like, hey, it's a haunted house movie, but the haunted, but something goes bad at the haunted house. Mm. And for me, like the problem is always like, okay, cool. So they get killed. How exciting. So for me, I feel like it's predictable. So for whatever reason... I mean, I, don't you like slashers? Well, I'm going to get to that. Okay. I waited on Haunt for so long because I was like, man, I feel like, I, you know, it's just like, cool, they're going to go to the haunted house and die. And you know what? That is what happens. Yeah. But it's really fucking good. And, there, and you said, you know, you like slashers. And you're right. And that's the thing. If they're good, they're fucking good. And if the kids are good. Oh. We got Colby barking. <laughs> My brother's, uh, what is he? Are you staying the night? No, I'm just okay. beating him. Okay. 240. How many? Uh, long story short, um, my problem with, you know, he's going wild, though. Colby. <laughs> we'll leave this in. 
I think I'm going to talk over him. Go ahead. Okay, Haunt. Um, no, what you were saying was like you like slashers, and you're right. I like slashers that are – I hope you can hear me. Um, I like slashers that have good kids, good kills, um, that are mean-spirited at times. And guess what Haunt is? It's fucking that. Mm. Like – let me say this real like quick. Like a fire poker in the head. Yeah. And like the way it's shot and the way that they sort of deal with the kids, like the way, you know, it's, it's mean spirited, but it's definitely not to me. I don't think this is like torture porn. So I don't mean it like that, but the way it's illustrated, it's very serious, but it's fun. And, um, man, it's well-directed. It's good, dude. Like the, the, the imagery, the iconography. Um, I don't think this is shot like fucking, you know, like I said, psycho or something, but man, it, it's it's the, the the tone. Let me read my notes for Haunt. Mean spirited, reminded me of the sincereness of Fender Bender. I was going to talk to you about that. Mm. And the characters I cared about. Uh, well shot, very slick. So yeah, this actually reminded me a lot of Fender Bender. Mm. And I and and you said slasher, and this reminded me of that in the it's sort of earnestness that like at a certain point the film is sort of like it cares about its characters, and I think. You know, most of you know, a lot of modern stuff is like, let's kill the kids, fuck it. And I love stuff like that too. But I was really surprised that I really cared about these kids. I wanted them to get out of this situation. I won't say if they did. And it's mean spirited and it's violent. I was surprised. I knew it was gonna be quote unquote good. I was surprised I was like, fuck, like haunts good. Mm. So I totally agree. I really, really liked it. Um if anyone out there is like me where they're like, eh, haunted house movie, we get it. They're going to die like right, I now, was. Here's the million dollar question. Haunt or Hellfest? Haunt. I think I'm going to agree with you. Haunt. Um, exactly. So I'd seen Hellfest, right? And then there was Bloodfest, which I didn't watch. Um, I feel like this is like a genre. Uh, house is October built. Yes. Um. Oh yeah, and Haunt has like this crazy ass ending. I just remembered it. Um, I'm not gonna like spoil it, but man, like it's it's a uh, that movie's a lot of fun. Mm. I'll put it at that. It's a it's a deeper, better movie than I expected. So, anyways, Haunt. and there's a human centipede joke in it. Absolutely, and yep. it's it's fun. It's serious. It's 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 you know, this is what I like, which is a deeply layered film where people go to a haunted house and die mm. and so i was just really surprised that it actually was good so um haunt that's haunt that was haunt i thought you'd like me comparing it to fender bender yeah i like fender bender what's your next movie um, oh i pro oh we never fucking said we're doing our top 10 of the year oh yeah <laughs> we're gonna do our top 10 after this uh eric what's your next movie uh my next movie is Timo Tejanto's May the Devil Take You Too. Of course. Uh, this is obviously a sequel to May the Devil Take You. And uh, this has a really good premise, in my opinion. Uh, it's the character from the first film. It's the girl from the first film. And it's a new group of kids. And you learn that these group of kids all lived in the same orphanage where they were abused uh, by this man. Uh, so they murder him. And now, as like young adults, 
this man's spirit has like come back to try to kill them. So they know that the girl from the first film has had like a run in before with evil spirits. They come to her asking for help. I kind of feel like um, until we get, uh, what's it called? Evil Dead Rise? Is that the next Evil Dead film? I cannot remember. Is it Rise? I think it's Evil Dead Rise. I think so. This is a great way to hold us over. Because, man, if Timo Tejanto didn't study at the school of Sam Raimi, I wouldn't believe it. Uh, just like the shots. They're so... Uh, you know, maybe Sam, maybe somebody did these things like before Raimi, but to me, they're Raimi. Yeah, sure. You know, just like the barreling of the camera yep. towards an object or an inanimate object moving or something or, like or that. some grisly image directly in front of like a huge lens. Right. Um, yeah. And I guess because, Deadites. right. And I guess because it has to deal with like demons, something satanic, it makes me, it, it's so easy to compare it to evil dead. Right. Um, so I was like super into this it. This is I, on Netflix. The first one is. Oh, the second one's not. The second one's on Shutter. Oh, okay. Um, I saw a funny tweet from him where he, where I guess people were asking him, "Why are these films on two separate streaming services?" And his answer was, "I don't know. I just like to cover my actors in black goo." Uh, so that's a great summary uh, for uh, "May the Devil Take You" films. Uh, if you're just looking for some dead eye like. Action. Just like Fulci himself, covering his fucking <clears throat> actors in black goo. In black goo. What well, else you got, Doc? that was... May the devil take you too. You know, I feel like Timo Tejanto. Mm-hmm. I have a huge blind spot. I haven't you, seen any of his films. You need to watch... Well, you know what's funny is... If I had... To, if we did like a Timo Tejanto episode... Sure. Uh, his action films would be higher on my list than his horror films. Yeah. So, okay, my next movie. Yes, what you got? Uh, I might rattle off a few things. Okay, I only got one more. Okay, yep, I'm going to rattle a few things. Okay. Okay, one was not horror, but horror. No one liked it. I was fascinated by it. The Black Christmas Remake. I'm going to say this name. You're going to cringe. I'm thinking of ending things. Oh, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Kaufman. Kaufman. Yeah. So I want to bring this up quickly because this is Charlie Kaufman's new film on Netflix that sort of nobody's liking. I didn't watch it. Oh, okay, good. So long story short, I'm thinking of many things as Charlie Kaufman, right? This is the same guy that did fucking uh, help me out, Eric. I don't, I, I, I know nothing about this. I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but long story short, he's a very artful film director. Okay. And you know, without sounding like I'm up my own fucking ass, you know, my notes for I'm, I'm thinking of any things on Netflix is ultimately doesn't come together, but love films like this. And I just wanted to say that while I don't think this film does come together, I think that it's a mess. I could explain what it is, but I'm thinking of any things is about, you know, a boyfriend and girlfriend that basically the film picks up the, the, the boyfriend picks up the girlfriend and they're headed to a dinner at the parents house of the boyfriend. And when I say that, like, that's fucking it. And the film is a, is like half of the film is them driving there. And the rest is takes place at the house. And the film is sort of sold as like maybe a possession film. 
Would you say this film is up its own ass? Absolutely. Okay. The film is sort of sold, if you watch a trailer, as like a possession film almost. Like they get to the house and something's wrong. I will say they get to the house and something's wrong, but the film is so not about or really horror at all that I can understand why nobody likes it. But I will say I went home and I thought about it. I woke up the next morning and I thought about the next morning. So, you know, I love films like this, but ultimately of course this wouldn't make any list or anything. I wasn't in love with it, but I do love movies like this. And I like that people make stuff like this and I'll leave it at that. This is Netflix's and Charlie Kaufman's I'm thinking of ending things. Um, I love stuff like this, but I guess that's my thought whenever you ask me to record. What? I'm thinking of ending things. I like that, Eric. There you go. Oh, I forgot my announcement on that. You have an announcement? I do. Okay. Let's save let's save the announcement for uh right before Eric Coffin's Territunes. Okay. So announcement coming up soon about the podcast. Uh oh. So long story short, no, it's nothing like that. You it's 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 good. So, long story short... Uh, Sorry I'm, for making a suicide joke. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking... Well, hell, fucking I'm thinking of ending things is basically a suicide joke. Uh, I shouldn't say that either. Let's say we're both sorry for that. Okay. Uh, okay. I also saw uh, 1031. This is the uh, Halloween anthology film by some indie directors. It's called 10, da- uh, 10 slash 31. This is a movie that I really watched because, again... Man, do we talk about anybody else? Mr. Shane saw Massacre. Damn, what an influence. I know, no shit. I was going to say, I feel like he influences us more than we influence him. What's up, Shane? Um, Yeah, I watched 1031 finally, and no, this isn't isn't good. So here's my notes for 1031. This is a- I'm always impressed with the amount of shit he watches. I know, and and bless his heart. Right, exactly. Bless his heart, because he watches shit we don't have to. Yes. He watches Santa's elves or whatever. (laughs) So long story short, 1031 is a a Halloween anthology with multiple stories about Halloween. And, you know, my notes were first hour were, you know, okay, three good solid indie shorts, but then they got fucking really bad. And yeah, this is too cheap Too, you know, this isn't, I wouldn't recommend 1031. You know, I recommend it as like, this is like, it's super indie. It's a very, very, um, you know, low budget production. So I don't, I'm not trying to shit on those directors. I mean, they're well-made little movies, but yeah, I'd skip it. 1031 is not very good. Mm. Um, let me say one more thing. Okay. The Friday the 13th box set. Ooh. Did you get your replacement disc? I did. Okay. I did. Um, yeah. The Friday the 13th box set from Scream Factory is like one of the greatest fucking things of all time. Mm. Uh, you got it as well. I did. Did you watch any of them? Only part three in 3D. Awesome. I would have liked to come over, but you don't have people over at your house. Uh, unless they're named Dana uh, Hernandez. So long story short, man... I watched Friday the 13th, one, two, three, and four with my brother and his wife. His wife had never seen them, uh, Sabra. And uh, yeah, they did new 4K scans of all four of those films. And, you know, big shock. Here I am, Keegan, saying the new 4K scans are gorgeous. They're fucking gorgeous, dude. Holy shit. You know, we watched them on my brother's 70-inch 4K TV. And um, That's 70-inch? That is 70-inch. Huh. huh. So Ben knows how to hang TVs? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't have people at your house, so who gives a fuck? Well, you got that one up, huh? Uh, yes. We had help from Mr. Joshua Fisher. Hello, Josh. Oh. Would, he would never listen. 
long story short, man, I know I said, you know, these, these scans are gorgeous. It really made me look at these films again. I will say part three looks pretty bad, right? Part three was shot like with 3d cameras with film and something about that really doesn't translate to like HD. Um, I'd like to hear you talk about the 3d copy of that. So I'll just quickly say, you know, my favorite Friday the 13th film is part two and it's a revelation in 4k, man. Like it's not a 4k disc, but the 4k scan is so fucking pretty. Um, I, 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 you know, at times I look at my brother, I'm like, this, like, this looks like it was shot on film today. It looks so good. Um, Amy Steele part two, love it. Part four looks fucking immaculate. Um, and one last thing on this box set, I watched these four and I, I sort of introduced these four films to Sarah, which is my brother's wife. She had maybe seen one, but didn't remember it. And I will tell you, she was, uh, she, you know, responded to the jump scares in the film mm. in, in all four films. And she was scared of part two with Baghead Jason. And it, it, it put a smile on my face, you know, because these films to us are like, we, we've seen them a million times. We know exactly how they go. It was exciting to see someone watch them for the first time. Mm. Anyways, that's the Friday 13th box set. Dude, it's $109 on Amazon right now. I've seen that. I paid fucking like 150 because I pre-ordered it from Shout Factory. Here's my thing, Doc. I don't need any more fucking posters. No. From any of these boutique labels. Let me explain to you why I got it from them because I knew they would ship it right. And they fucking did. They put it mm. in this big-ass box with all this padding. But, yeah, I uh, I took advantage of their uh, October sale to, to get some toys from them. And I was impressed with their ship, uh, their oh, packaging. Uh, so, you know, it's funny. I don't want the lithograph or the fucking poster it came with. I'm actually going to sell them on eBay. Mm. But I pre-ordered it from them because they shipped it. It's immaculate. Like, mm. it's perfect condition. And I have that old uh, Blu-ray box set from them, the tin, that's that was worth like $300. And those Blu-rays look like fucking shit. Mm. So I'm super happy to have these new ones, man. This is, thank you, Scream Factory, for doing the God's work, uh, the Lord's work. This is, you know, this is this is a gift to horror fans, even though it's over $100. So anyways, Friday 13th box set. Love it. Eric, what's next? Uh, I got one more. Let's hear it. Uh, Tells from the Hood 3. Ooh. Yes, this one is bad. This one is rough. Uh, the wraparound segment is um, Tony Todd is traveling with a young girl and the young girl is telling these stories. And there, after the first story, there's a part where Tony Todd says, you know, um, who told you that story? Where did you hear that story? And she says something like, I saw it on the news. You know, so these stories are supposed to be, you know, have a level of social commentary to them. Right, which the first film did too, right? I would agree. Um, so it bums me out that I didn't think this was good. And it's the dudes who did the first two films. Right. Um, and one of the dudes, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He was also one of the writers for season three of black Jesus. So I like these dudes a lot. Sure. Um, however, there is one segment in this film that is like, That is like that. Yep, it's just like that. Uh, there's one, there's one segment in Tales from the Hood Three. Colby, we know you're excited about Tales from the Crypt Three. Yes, I'm glad that Colby is a Tony Todd fan. Yes, he's big um, time. 
He what likes, he likes the Final Destination films. Yes. He likes the bondage in those films. Uh, one of, you know what? I was at Walmart the other day, and I, was, and I, and I bought some bondage stuff. And uh, I don't know what the company is, but there was a cloth Candyman, uh, Leatherface, uh, Creeper, and Hannibal Lecter toy. They were Whoa. like eight inch toys. And what was cool is they're only like 14 or 15 bucks. Holy shit. So I thought it was cool that there's these figures at such a reasonable price point. Uh, Dana had uh, taken a picture of them and showed them to me. And then I went like the following day. There was no creepers. And there was only one leather face left. And you don't know who made them? I don't know the company. Wow. And I actually saw an ad on Instagram. I guess there's a uh, 90s Pennywise and Reagan also in this series. Uh, I guess what I'm getting at is I would have picked up Candyman if I was going to pick up any of them. Back to Tales from the Hood 3. There is a <laughs> segment in here that's like a masterpiece. Okay. This one segment is so good that I would say watch Tales from the Hood 3 just for this one segment. Damn it. It sucks you have to suffer through the other 60 minutes of the film. Do you have the premise of it? Uh, it's the, the, the it's, one short. It's too good. I, I just feel like you'd have to go and bond. Okay, then don't uh, say it. I guess it, it involves an extremely racist man. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Similar to the first film. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, but the, the reveal of the racist man, I was like, damn, that's amazing. You, nice. Yeah. Like, if, too bad there wasn't a way just to, like, watch that segment, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, so again, I guess just how I was knocking Castle Freak and now I'm knocking Tales from the Hood 3, but I'm still telling you to watch them right. because there's moments good enough to make it worth a watch. Um, I never did see the sequel, uh, Tales from the Hood 2, but I, I really liked that. I mean, I have that first movie, the Screen Factory Blu-ray. The and first one's definitely the best. It's really fucking good. Of, of these three films, for sure. And that's it. That's Tales from the Hood 3, and that's all I've got on my what I've been watching list. I'm going to throw out two things. I'm okay. not going to talk about them. I had never seen The Craft Oh, wow. Did you watch the new one then? Nope. Oh. but I I That's where this was going. Nope. And this is before that even dropped. I watched The Craft with my brother and his wife. Big shock. Um, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. And that was it. I just wanted to say that. And also Nev Campbell's in that movie. So I she really like The Craft. Um, one other quick thing. I rewatched Halloween Town for the first time in a long time. Oh, wow. The Disney movie. God damn. This is a fucking bad movie that I never want to see again. Wow. And I, I want to make a quick statement on Halloween Town. You love the sequel, Halloween Town 2. Halloween Town High. No, um, you know, the the one thing I want to say is to me, like I was like, oh, it'll be as good as Hocus Pocus. No. Boy, was I wrong. No. Hocus Pocus is like didn't, good. Didn't Disney Plus just announce the sequel? Yes. Or am I tripping? Yes, and I rewatched Hocus Pocus, and guess what? It's really good. And guess what's not? Halloween Town is fucking bad. But you love Can of Worms, right? You know, I liked those movies when I was a kid. Yeah, I really I liked loved Look. a Disney Halloween oh, yeah. film when the, I was young. So my favorite at the time was either Under Wraps, which oh, I Under Wraps is fire. And then um I really liked Don't Look Under the Bed was a great one. Yes. So long story short, yeah. Halloween Town. I actually did watch Halloween Town too. I'm Just not recently? I'm not joking. Okay. Uh, no, back to back with this. Horrible. Oh, horrible. Horrible. They I, suck. They're terrible. My my favorite moment in Under Wraps is when Harold is trying to explain his encounter with an automatic door. 
It's a brilliant film. I, yeah, lo- so I love good. Under Wraps. So good. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, Under Wraps is not on Disney+. Plus. It's Yeah, there's like a janky-ass upload of it on YouTube. Yep. And uh, it's actually on iTunes. You can buy it on iTunes. Okay. Yep. Okay. That was Halloween Town. Eric, we're done we're with done. Our, our, our opening of the podcast. We never announced. Now, you read the title. You know it's our top 10 of 2020. Um, it's going to be an interesting list, but we never did fucking say. We're doing our top 10 of 2020. We're not quite there. Not quite We're almost there. there. It's coming up. Um, and yeah, so you, you got Eric Coffin's Terratunes coming up, right? Yes. So I, I'll, I, this is a good spot, right? So everybody get excited. No, it's, it's funny because I say get excited. It's something for me. It's not going to be anything for Eric. So you got your $600 stimulus check. I did, but that's, I did it. Sort of unrelated. Go ahead. I did get my stimulus check, but that's not really why I did this. I saw a tweet that said, got my stimulus. Who's selling pussy? Go ahead. You know, Eric, <laughs> what da? We, what da? We've been doing this podcast for about like four years yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And I've been editing it on a laptop from 2008. Okay. And my and MacBook from okay. 2008. It's still holding up. It's still holding up, but I cannot do anything on it anymore but edit the podcast. I can't even upload the podcast to Anchor, which is our host. Okay. I can't even update it or upload it on there anymore. I have to send it to my phone and upload it through the Anchor app. Wow. That's how bad it's gotten. Wow. So because of this, I decided it was time to for me to upgrade. So anyways. You got a new Mac? I, I, I've ordered oh, the awesome. new MacBook Air 13-inch M1. Awesome. I say that because this is, uh, long story short, uh, Apple has made brand new MacBooks with their own chips. And so if you know anything about tech, it's very exciting um, I didn't just get a MacBook. I got the new big one that's good, but it was only fucking, I, I'm afraid to say, cause it, you know, it was eight ninety nine, which is super cheap for a MacBook. Too bad we don't record more often. I know. And here's what's funny. What else are you going to watch on it? Porn? It doesn't come in till the 19th. Okay. And so I'm going to have to edit. Does that have to like build it first or why? No, because it's, uh, it's so in demand. It's brand gotcha. new. It's so in demand. Uh, I'm not going to be able to edit this fucking episode. On it, so Damn, we'll have, so Eric, we'll have to reconvene. Hopefully, the next time we record, we we will have been vaccinated, duh. So in August of this year, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, you know, obviously, it's more of an announcement. You for know, me. our next episode will be our top twenty of twenty one. I. What's funny though, and I agree, and I, you know, no pressure on us, but I just bought this lap this this new MacBook for this fucking podcast. Mm. So I hope we record, but no pressure. No pressure. So anyways, that, that that was my quick uh, announcement. Announcement. It's very exciting for me. You know, I've been I've been slaving away on my 2008 fucking MacBook. I thought you were going to tell me you finally got to go to the doctor to see to to uh, get help about your gout. I thought that was going to be your big announcement. You know, Eric, that was yes. that's brilliant. But uh <laughs> <laughs> No, you know, and it's funny because it's just it's just exciting for me. Because it sounds like, well, what's the problem? You know, and I thought of a quick thought, and we're going to get to Eric Coffin's Saratunes. Okay. Is there anything in your fucking life that you use that's from as long ago? And I mean more like technology, not your couch, not that. Like technology that you use that's from 2008, from that long ago. I still have a fifth generation iPod click wheel, click wheel that I got for Christmas 2005. So Eric was the wrong person to ask because he's fuck. He lives in the Stone Age. Yes. What it else? Still fucking works. G. No, I know those are badass. But anything else that I use? Uh, my Mac's from like 2012. So there you go. Huh? 
I mean, I haven't come put out a new part recently, but that's how I man, put together my know, skate parts. It's funny thinking about my 08 MacBook, man. I took that to college. I fucking graduated, got my fucking degree with that fucking MacBook. And that I graduated in like 2015 from college, bro. It's mm. 2020. That's how old it is. Long story short. 2021. I feel like I've said long story short too many times, but very exciting to short have a Short story MacBook. long. So I will be able to, it, I will have less pain doing this podcast because I have a new laptop. Mm. And little, little teaser. Little teaser. Maybe we'll be able to have some guests. Oh shit! <laughs> so so, anyways, you know, we'll we'll little see. Teaser. I know. In a, a little sh- titty twister teasers. Eric. Yes. I think now it's time for. for... <laughs> Eric Coffin's Tunes. Eric Coffin's Tunes. A fuck you, Eda. Fuck you. A fuck you, Eda. Fuck you. Okay, so obviously we're doing our top favorite films of 2020. I'm going to do my top favorite horror punk albums of 2020. And you know what? I only got five. I remember one year your brother challenged me to come up with ten, and it was like, no problem. But this year, I've only got five. So coming in at number five, I got the Jason's Black Russian Split, Saving Tomorrow From, which is awesome. It's two original songs from each band, and then one cover of the other band, one of their songs. Yes, a split. Yes. So, define split. Okay. Number four, uh, my favorite horror punk band from the Mexican Sonora Desert, The Horoscopes, with their album Hexes. Uh, Number three, uh, this is a brand new horror punk uh, band called Dark Ride, and they put out a self-titled EP. Number two, um, The Other, with their album Haunted, and my number one, my favorite. Horror punk album of 2020 goes to the Renfields with their album versus the handbook for the recently horror punk. Now, this is a very interesting horror punk album because how would I define horror punk? I would define it as a band that sings songs about horror movies. This is not that. This album is like an attack on the horror punk scene where they're just shit talking it. And the people in the scene. Okay. I'm afraid. And this is like part one of a concept album. I guess of just shit talking the scene. I'm afraid that in part two, they're going to announce that they're done or something. That Fuck the scene. That they're breaking up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Did they talk shit about uh, Prom Night Girls? That's the first thing they talk about. <laughs> um, what's, what's funny is the Renfields are supposed to be like in high school. So there's a, a fucking skit between each track where they're having to deal with uh, the horror punk scene while at school. And it really ties the whole album together. Uh, I burnt it to a CD because that's what I that's how I fucking <laughs> listen to fucking music in one of my vehicles. How, you burnt it to a CD? To a CD. But to save space on the CD, I took out the skits and it just, you know, it doesn't have the same flow. Save space. <laughs> yeah, the CDs are only fucking 80 minutes, duh. Well, 800 megabytes, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, there is one track called I Was a 
teeny teenage Cthulhu cult leader, and that feels like that could be on any horror punk. Um, you know, like any horror punk sure. band could put that out. Yeah. Uh, but this particular album is an attack on the horror punk scene. I love their truthfulness. Uh, and my favorite track is called Circle of Fakes. Hopefully that's playing right now. Like the Titanic Dressed up like the necromantic The last piranha who wants to be The last girl singing Halloween As we sink into the sea We built a wall around the sea To judge the rest And now we're all locked inside Engaged in incest And every generation we spawn Gets more retarded A bastard counterfeit Of what's been started So that's a good one, Doc. That was my terror tunes of 2020. And what was that song? That was called Circle of Fakes. By who? The Renfields. So let me ask you this. You're talking about that. Very exciting. Um, But they're talking shit about your fucking, your genre. What's funny is that they're horror punks though. Right. So they're dissing, I think, the scene, the community. Are they sending it up? Like... Or no, they're shit-talking shit. it. Okay. Right, exactly. And how no one's original anymore. Uh, there's a really funny moment in one of the songs where they're talking about how, like, people in the horror punk scene are just so uncreative. And then someone yells out, Frankenberry, that's my favorite. <laughs> so, Shots fired. Yeah. And what's funny is that's how the Jasons are, too. Yeah. Like shit-talking the scene. And if you might recall, whenever I did a Terror Tunes on the Jasons, I said, I think the singer of the Jasons is also the singer of the Renfield. I remember you saying that, yeah. yeah. So I think it all adds up. Okay. It all adds up. Even if November coming fire never even made a spark. So let's get on to our top 10 of 2020. But first... Let's do some honorable mentions. Well, well, hang on. We got to play the fucking grindhouse music. Oh yeah, right so, now. Hit it. All right, Eric. Our fucking top 10 <laughs> of 2020. That's Before right. we get to our honorable mentions, let's talk about the year that was. Okay. And let's also talk about the year that wasn't. Okay. I feel like 2020, we what we only saw, I only saw three movies at the theater. Yeah. And you know what? Horror doesn't disappoint. No. Even if we had to sit through all these movies at home. There were still some good ones, Doc. There was a lot of good shit. And what's 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 really weird, what, what actually starts to like, you know, I use this phrase a lot. So hello, everybody that knows me. What starts to freak me out 
is like fucking Halloween Kills was supposed to be out. Now, sure. here's the thing. Spiral. Uh, Spiral, thank you. I'm going to guess Uh-oh. that I was going to love Halloween Kills. Sure. And so, you know, reflecting on the year making up my top 10, it was kind of like, man, what a hole. Like, it's so weird. But then there was so much good stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I don't think, you know, well, this has never happened to us before where we thought we were going to see Spiral, Candyman, Halloween Kills. We thought we were going to see so much shit. And we didn't. We didn't. And so it's almost, I feel like there's this void of like the tent poles. We got like, I think, two tent poles and then a bunch of stuff. And a lot of stuff was really good. And we made our list and I, I love my list. But we didn't get enough tent poles. Uh, you just said you love your list. And I'm going to give a disclaimer on my list. So when Keegan said, let's record, I said, okay, I'll record. And he wrote down on a piece of paper. But I told Keegan, I said, you know what? I'm not doing a list. I told Keegan, I'm going to do, these are the films I liked. But I thought a little more. And I did indeed come up with a 10 through 1 list. Sure. However, E-Dog does not have the energy or the time to revisit these films. He's too busy playing Skater XL and every other video game released for the Sony platform. Correct. So while I'm confident with my list, if I really wanted it concrete, I would have wanted to have gone back and revisit these films to compare them. You know, some of these films came out, you know, three, four months from now. And I'm putting them on the list. Yeah, and 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 I'll and I'll sort of agree with my list where I texted you and I'll and I'll be honest. I said honestly, bro, you don't have a penis. Yeah, well, <laughs> let me tell you. Okay. Uh, I texted you and I said, "Oh my god, said, he's taking his pants off." Oh well, there's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, screen, uh, sleepaway camp. <laughs> long story short, man, it's not his dick. You know, it's funny. It's been a long story short kind of episode, hasn't it? Has it? Been. No. Um. Yeah. So I. I did the same thing, man. I, I remember texting. I said, honestly, dude, I just wrote down 10 movies I liked. And then I ranked those 10 movies. And that's not to say it's lazy. It's just like this was kind of a year where I didn't feel like when I say there's no tent poles, you know, there's there, no tent poles. Well, there's not. And so there's there nothing. There's no poles holding up tents. Okay, Eric, I'm sorry. What's the deal with all the tent poles? With poles. So, um, you know, I, I feel like. You know, use hat poles live in tent poles. Usually, there would be like three or four films that I feel super, super strong, strong about. about. And then we, you know, you you fill your your one, two, three, four with those big ones. Mm. At least for me. Mm. And then I fill the rest of it with like these are films I liked. Mm. And for this one, this year, I really liked a lot of these films. But there was no, you know, I I hate to say it, I feel like there's a void in my life with no Halloween Kills, which was like I look forward to all fucking year and didn't come out. So. Things like that sort of made, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, and I think what you're illustrating, this is kind of an interesting year for a list. Sure. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. Sure. And you know what? There's so many that I've missed. Yeah. I didn't watch the fucking Relic. I didn't watch the fucking Dark and the Wicked. I didn't fucking watch the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Okay. Yeah. I. There's a lot on my list that I haven't gotten to. I'm glad you say that, Eric, because uh, there's, there's a few things I didn't watch. Because you and know I, why? I was concerned about the side missions and Ghost of Tsushima. One of the things I didn't watch was Possessor. 
And the whole time I didn't watch it, you know, leading up to this, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to be in trouble. But I'm glad you just said you didn't watch two of those movies because we'll get to that. So long story short. Oh, there's another one. Did you hear that? Long story short. Okay. Um, short story long. Yep. Short story long. Getting there. Do we want to do a couple honorable mentions? I got three. Wait. But before, before we get there, I would like to talk the worst horror movie of the year. This is one of my favorite topics, and I feel like Eric doesn't like this as much because I like the shit on things, unfortunately. I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think it came out this year, Da. I might be wrong. Jog my memory, G. The Turning. Oh, oh, that's the worst film of 2020. Worst horror movie of the year, is you it not? You know what's funny is about 30 minutes into that movie, I leaned over to Dana, and I was like, hey, this is kind of good. I thought the same thing. And then 60 minutes later. And I'll never forget, I told you I told you that Finn Wolfhard was in it. I said, but it's like he's playing SNL film uh, Finn Wolfhard. Right. Like, I don't even, uh, he's unrecognizable in the film. Fortunately, we did get the better adaptation with The Haunting of Bly Manor. Which I've I've slept on. You slept on The Haunting of Bly Manor? I slept on The Haunting it's of Bly Manor. It's not as good as The Haunting of Hill House. Let's just get that out which of the way. Which is a, border, what a borderline is. masterpiece. What is? Right, yeah. exactly. And you know what the problem is? Flanagan only directed the first fucking episode. Yeah, I agree. I but didn't see it, but that concerned me. There's still solid viewing material there, Dot. And if you didn't watch it this year, you're never going to fucking watch it. I agree. That's just what happens. Yep, I agree. With that, <laughs> with that, the worst horror movie of the year for me was called The Turning. I'm going to agree with you. Da, in a year where I was desperate to go to a theater, I sat through The Turning in a fucking theater. And The Grudge. I didn't see The Grudge. You didn't see The Grudge. And I skipped it, remember? I said no mustard. But I'll tell you this right now. I would kill to see The Grudge in a theater right now. That'd be awesome. So anyways, The Turning sucks, and that's my worst horror movie of 2020. Uh, dumb joke that I'm sure everybody saw. You know, that movie just like didn't really have a conclusion. Yeah. Right? So when the Blu-ray came out, it was advertised as with an alternate ending. And I saw where people were just saying, how about you just give us a ending? An ending. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. So that, that was my worst movie of 2020, my worst horror movie. What, where were we at? Honorable mentions? We're at honorable mentions. Eric. Yes. Give me one of your honorable mentions. Okay. This is our top 10 tw- of horror 2020 that has been horribly uh, fucking, we haven't recorded in eight months. Eric, honorable mention. All right. My first honorable mention is Uncle Peckerhead. Ooh. This film, duh. did you watch Uncle Peckerhead? No, you fucking didn't. I didn't. Of course you did. I just wanted to get you going. No, I just wanted to get you going. Uncle fucking Peckerhead is a hilarious blast. It's about a punk band whose roadie is a man-eating demon, and they have to contend with that whenever he turns into a man-eating demon after midnight. And it is a silly, gory, romp punk film. Ooh. I like that. This this was this was a, an enjoyable ninety minutes. That sounds like the Ranger. Yeah, it's it would make a great double with the Ranger. I like that. And that okay. and that's what that was Uncle Peckerhead. Got it. There's a hilarious moment where, uh, so the character his name is Peckerhead, and they ask him like, "No way is your name Peckerhead?" And he's like, "Yes, it is." Now Eric's slamming on the fucking table. That's right, because I'm emphasizing points. Bang your head on the fucking table. Um, so just everyone out there. I'll do my best to not make it sound horrible. Eric, continue banging on the table. Okay. So uh, let's let's hear a Keegan. Keegan, honorable mention. Uh, H.M. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, this is going to be an interesting thing to bring up because I don't think this is like a great film. But, you know, this year we couldn't go to the theater. We're waiting for stuff to come out. And I remember there was a movie that dropped and I... Let's look at the bright side. Yes. Our lists are going to showcase films that may not have gotten the spotlight. And just because right now with what you're about to say. Well, and one of the films that that sort of I I, I remember because it, it came out really early in the pandemic when everybody's sitting at home and we're dying for content. We can't go to the theater. I shouldn't have said dying because that's not funny right now. But, you know, Dave Franco's The Rental. Dave Franco's The Rental is an honorable mention of mine as well. You know, I remember we reviewed it on the pod and I, and I, and I said it was good. I hadn't but- watched it yet. And I remember, okay, I want to hear what but you... But I've since you, watched it. I, you know, I remember saying, like, I, I liked it. I like it enough it. to have it be an honorable mention. Me too. Me too. I, You know, and at, at a certain point, this was my number 10. Oh, okay. So, you know, I don't think this is fucking high art by any means. You know what? But this is a great film that like, I would show my mom. For sure. This is like a film where I'd be like, hey, we got something good tonight. And she would be into it. Yeah. I, a film came to mind that this sort of reminds me of, The Vibe. Um, in, in terms of like, this is, this is a film made for like normal people, but not in a bad way. And, uh, this sort of reminds me of how I felt about, um, uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe, which was like, when I saw that film, I was like, this is for fucking people. Like this should be playing in Carlsbad at our theater and fucking play, you know, <laughs> I will say the rental is not quite that it's definitely not near that, but it reminded me of that same thing where like, this is good. And uh, I remember telling you, man, I, I again, I'm kind of laughing because, like, it, it seems kind of funny to say, like, I cared about the characters in this movie. And, again, maybe it was the actors. You know, it was Dan Stevens, uh, Allison, Allison Brie. And, and, and I really – I wanted to see what happened to them. I thought the stakes kept increasing. For sure. Throughout the film. You know, I don't think it's, like, brilliant. I thought it's, like, kind of – you know, it was exactly what I thought it was. I'll say that, but man, I, I, yeah, the rental honorable mention for me and you liked it as well. I, I really liked it. Yeah. I, I think it was a film that I kind of toyed with on my top list as well. Yeah. And, and, and this is the rental is a film where it's like had stuff like Candyman or like Halloween kills come out this year. I'm not sure the rental would be even close to my 10, but this is a year where it's like, yeah, this was good. I really enjoyed it. And this came out at a time when I needed something. I remember saying, hey, man, there's a new horror movie. Everyone likes it. It's Dave Frankel. Let's watch it. Boom. And I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. I agree. It was, it, this is a, this is, the rental is a popcorn flick. You know what pisses me off, dog, what, about what, Walmart? What really grinds E-Dog's gears? There's they just get the DVDs, dog. Yes! But you like DVDs, dog. Fuck you. Go buy the DVDs, dog. Fuck you. You love DVDs. There are so many films there I would buy if they were on blue. Did you see our local Walmart has the Scream Factory uh, fly collection? I did. And they also have the Omen collection for a period of time. I have the Omen collection. Yeah. I saw that fly collection. I was like, it's $50. No. But uh, I almost bought it. So. The rental. The honorable rental. Mention. Eric, an honorable mention from you. Okay, this is my last honorable mention. I only have one more as well. Uh, the hosts. Okay. I'm, I'm, of course, talking about uh, Shudder's host, about a group of uh, young women who perform a seance over a Zoom meeting, or I don't know if they directly say Zoom, but, uh, you know, 
during a internet phone call. Yeah, uh, internet conference or whatever. And things go awry. Uh, I'll save host. Kiki's going to save host. Yeah. This was a uh, scary ride. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And even better, it was less than an hour. That's how we like them. That's how we like them. <laughs> for sure. So we like our... Never mind. <laughs> Let's leave that out. Okay. Uh, so I have two like other films to talk about, and and <laughs> these aren't horror. Okay. So my honorable mentions that are like genre. One is um man Palm th- Springs. Thank you, Eric. Palm Springs was good. Fuck me, man. You know what's funny? Palm Springs was on my list, and I was like, man, it's not fucking horror. So I took it off, dude. Palm Springs is one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah. Like, like I, I like the rental. Dude, Palm Springs is like top five. I really like Palm Springs. If we did a non-genre list or just general Yeah, list. somewhere in there. Yeah. I, dude, Palm Springs. Love it. I, I love the lackadaisical. Like, look, it's Andy Samberg wearing a fucking Hawaiian shirt, drinking beer, driving down the highway. Love that shit. Hmm. Uh, love Palm Springs. Watch it on Hulu. My other one is a film that dropped during the pandemic that, you know what? It's not perfect but I really liked and it was love and monsters. Oh, wow. I haven't seen it. Did you see it? Okay. Cool. Really good. I've heard good things. It's good. It's sincere. It's sweet at times. It's a really fun movie. I want to see it. Yeah. I I definitely would recommend anybody during the, especially right now, man, you want something fun genre monsters to watch. Love and monsters is great. Mm. Uh, We watched it and like, you know, you know, uh, did I like this? I walked, I walked away from it and I was like, that was awesome. It was awesome. You know, again, not high art, but Love and Monsters is really good. That was that. So before we get to our list, okay, I want to I want to say other films that came out this year. And actually, I only have two. One is called because I don't think it's gonna be on either of our lists, and I just felt we should bring it up. Okay, The Hunt, not on my list. Right, not on mine either. And it's because you know I'm a big Lindelof guy. He wrote yeah. it. Eh, fuck the Hunt. I liked it. It was fine. It was. It I was, liked Betty Gilpin. I, I, it, it, it's you know it's good ninety minutes. How about that? You know it's fine. You're looking to be entertained. It, if it, if I saw it in January in a theater, I would have enjoyed it. Right. Yeah. I wish I would have because then I would have been more comfortable. Because I remember that was the week in my COVID. Like, you know the the alarm was sounded. Oh, I know. Uh, March. Eric. Yes. Did Bliss come out this year? No. Okay. So then we're done. We're done. That's it, man. I had like the hunt, babysitter two, which we talked about. I was trying to think if Bliss came out, and then I wrote down that I hadn't saw Possessor. So I am ready for my fucking list. You want to go first? I don't know. What do you want to do? I'll go first. Okay, Eric. What is your number? So this is our top ten of twenty twenty, which again is an incredibly interesting moment because not that much came out. Nope. So Eric Hoff. No. What number is- ten? For me, of 2020. Uh, 2020 is the 80s Russian set monster film Sputnik. Oh, nice. Uh, I, this, I didn't see it. This was a film I told you to watch because I think you will eat it up. I heard it's very Cloverfield-esque. No, it's very Alien-esque. Yeah, but I'm, I guess I meant like, uh, you know, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane like that. Go ahead. So it is about a uh, a Russian spaceship returning to earth when it's attacked by something we don't see what okay and what we soon learn is that uh one of the two astronauts that were on this spaceship 
have survived, but there's a monster inside him. Of course, you're already thinking alien, right? Sure. Here's where it deviates. Every night at like 3 a.m., while the man is asleep, the monster comes out of his mouth. Okay. And you learn that the man and monster cannot be separated. Okay. And that it can only leave his body for X amount of time. So they bring in this woman to study it. You learn that the Russian Soviet military complex, they want to like capitalize on it, like in terms of making it a weapon. Like research and development. But yeah. right, exactly. But how can they successfully separate the monster from the man while keeping both of them alive? Sure. Monster mayhem ensues. And uh I liked it a lot. Nice. Yeah, you you told me I remember you texted me, you're like, have you seen Da, have you seen Sputnik? Yeah. And it's funny because I actually heard all the colors of the dark. Uh, I heard them talk about it as well and they mm. loved it. And so you know, it's just something like when I was watching some stuff preparing for this, mm-hmm. there were some higher brow things I felt like I needed to watch. So it could have made my list, but I, I didn't see it. I just feel like Sputnik is so obviously influenced by Alien, but that it managed to do something different with the Alien idea of being impregnated by an alien. Yeah. Uh, I was impressed. Nice. There's still some original ideas out there, Doc. And I really, truly think you would like it. Nice. Fuck so, yeah. So Sputnik was my number 10. I'm planning on watching Sputnik. But that's that's exciting. You didn't see it. Hmm. All right, Doc. Well, my Start number, your list. My number 10 I feel super bad about. Okay. It's going to be on your list. It's going to be high. And mine is low, right? It's my number 10. And so I'll get to it. You know, I really think it's a great movie. Uh, for whatever reason, in terms of my favorites of the year, it didn't it didn't rise to like my top five, but I think this is great. I think it has Fulci esque moments. I think this is one of the coolest movies of the year. I think it's one of the prettiest movies of the year. It's called His House, mm. and I'm assuming it's higher on your list. It is, and yeah, man. I mean, we could talk about it when we get there, but this is great. I mean. You know, it's funny because I could tell you how great it is, but I almost feel like I need to say why it's at 10. And for me, other films spoke to me more, but man, the scares in this movie, mm-hmm. the the way, you know, there's Fulci nightmare sequences basically that are some of the most gorgeous looking nightmare shit of the year. And so for that, those are the best, but ultimately I just thought it was really fucking good. Mm. Like, you know, this this to me almost feels like almost like an Oscar quality movie. Um, it actually reminded me of Parasite in some ways where okay. it was talking about larger topics like, you know, refugees, Sudanese refugees in the right. UK and 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 how they, need, you know, try to adjust to, you know, life uh, in a new place. And, and should they adjust to a new place? And and, you know, this evil that follows them to there. Um I thought it was brilliant. I mean, this is a fucking awesome movie. For me, it, it ended up being my top 10. Just It ended up being my number 10 just because I liked other stuff more. But again, I, I almost feel bad because it's really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about it more. We will. Yeah. And so my number 10 is, is His House, which I think is a brilliant film uh, that I really think could fucking win an Oscar. It's that good. Mm. But for me... Um, it ended up being my number 10. 
I also watched it recently. So, you know, and I will say this is a film I thought about for a couple days after. So did you watch it alone or did you watch I it watched with- it with my brother and, and his wife and they, they liked it as well. Mm-hmm. They, they really liked it. Um, the scares, man, we'll talk about it again, but the scares are really cool. Yes. Um, I was not like terrified by any of it. So I will say that for me, it, it was just really good filmmaking, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like, Oh my God, I'm so scared at all. But, uh, you know, this is a film that when the scares happen, all I could do is smile because I thought they were so well directed, yeah. uh, but didn't scare me, did yeah. not scare me. So, and, and you know what, maybe if his house had scared me, it would be way higher. But for me, I just thought, man, this is great. And I remember I was smiling during the, the nightmare sequences because they're so good. His house. Um, I'm assuming you always do a better job at explaining what a film is like the hypnosis. Uh, so I'll leave it at that. My number 10 is his house, Eric. Your number nine. My number nine is a film uh, called Spiral. I am not talking about uh, the new Saw. Or Adam Green's film. Or Adam Green's film. Called Spiral, which is really good. A couple of Spiral films out there. But the one I'm talking about is this film was released, uh, I believe, in September of 2020 uh, on Shudder. And I have not seen this yet. Uh, I just want to make a side note. Like, uh, I think it was from September to the end of October shutter dropped a new movie each week and do they fucking killed it yeah like, they knocked it out of the park i really Several wanted, of my films are from that release window i really wanted to see that movie the beach house oh and i, and I didn't see it mm. didn't see it uh i did watch it uh, i'm afraid i didn't think too much of it but back to spiral uh this takes place in the 90s uh it is a like uh maybe 30 something year old gay couple uh they moved to this small town and they have a 16-year-old daughter. You learn that one of the men, uh, this daughter is from a previous marriage. And immediately, one of them notices something is up. Uh, initially, he thinks it's because they're homosexual. Uh, he thinks that the townspeople aren't taking too kind of their lifestyle choices. We don't like your con round here. Right, exactly. It ends up being something larger at play. Okay. What I really like about this film was its message. It's definitely a bit on the nose, but I feel like it's something that needs to be out there that I was okay with it kind of being so brazen and hitting us over the head with what it's trying to explain to us. Um, And what is cool is it ends up being something supernatural. Uh, I wish this was a film more people saw because I feel like this is one that should be talked about. Spiral. Uh, this is Spiral, right. And it's on Shutter. This is on Shutter. Yes. Nice. Yeah, and I, I talked about his house. I rented his house, I believe, for... It's on VOD. That's yeah, how I saw that. Did you watch it on Netflix? No, my bad. I did watch it on Netflix. Oh. Yes, yes. His house is on Netflix. His house is on Netflix. And I find that really odd, not not to go back to it, but like I feel like Netflix should be really pushing that movie. I and agree. We had, but we had so go, much of their shit comes and goes with such little fanfare. It's kind of why I don't like Netflix. We had to search for it. Like, come on. No, no. And what? Fortunately, bloody disgusting. Put it out. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like uh, they they were promoting it. Promoting it, right? Yep. And fortunately, I gave it a shot and ended up loving his house. Yeah, I totally agree. And your your nine though. That my number nine was Spiral. Spiral. Right. And I and I saw. I want to say I saw that on. There was a bloody disgusting top ten of the year, and I want to say they had Spiral on theirs. Mm. Um. So yeah, cool. Good stuff. My number nine. Number nine, Keegan. It's a movie I almost feel like is either on your list or you totally forgot about. And again, you know, I like to do this. You know, my number nine is, you know, when I saw this, I thought, eh, that was fun. 
And I later showed it to my brother and his wife. And on second viewing, I thought, you know, I really like this. And then as the year went on, not that much came out. And so this is kind of one of those movies. And I feel super bad bringing this film up after his house, which I think it like could win an Oscar. It's so good. But for me, you know, I really liked my number nine this year. Saw it twice, which were, it was, we summon the darkness. Not on my list. Yeah, I didn't think so. Right. And you know, this is just a fun film that I enjoyed. Right. This is, let's just say Alexander Daddario um, is in it. And, you know, this group of three girls are on their way to a like metal show. And this takes place in the 80s, I believe. I think so. And uh, these three girls are going to this metal show and they're a little weary of this group of 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 boys, kids that, uh, you know, are smoking and drinking and they're drinking as well. And so they can sort of get into it with them. And you're not sure if you can trust the guys because it's kind of that, you know, chicks getting picked up at a show and they go back to, uh, but but we learned that there's been killings. Yes. And so satanic killings. So they're like weary of each other. Like, could they possibly be involved? The other party. And we summon the darkness. You're right. There's sort of this like satanic panic nature around it. Where like there's there's uh, the radio is playing saying there's these satanic killings where they killed these people at this farm or whatever, and so everybody is sort of aware that someone is out there killing people, and so you start to wonder oh I wonder if it's these boys like because they're in these you know they like satanic metal or whatever the fuck black metal, and um you 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 know you're like uh oh okay where is this going, and of course the film goes where it goes, and so we summon the darkness. Uh, you know, has surprising moments. I don't think it's like brilliant in any fucking stretch of the imagination, but it's fun. You know, these, these, all of these actors are a blast. They all have a fun, they're, they're, the characters have a fun personality. They're all, you know, this is just a great sort of party drinking movie. In my opinion, I saw it twice this year. I really liked it. Um, it's bloody, it's gory. Uh, you want the characters that you want to survive you care a little bit i'm not saying it's brilliant you know what i mean but you care and uh by the end of the film it's like man that was a fun journey so again talking about this after his house is kind of funny because his house is like really fucking good but uh we summon the darkness i really enjoyed it watched it twice i believe that's on netflix i think think it it might be now yeah i think yeah i think it is uh, so that's a fun film that I enjoy. That's my number nine, Eric. I, I definitely liked it, but it was a bit too casual for me. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think the end sort of peters out. I think if it had like a bigger, better ending, like they sort of start to walk around in a dark house for like 30 minutes. Right. And I feel like if it had been a better, well-staged ending, um, where they're not walking around a fucking dark house for 30 minutes, I think this would be really fucking good. And it's not. So, anyways, but I enjoyed it. I like number, my number nine. Mm. We summon the darkness again. Not super confident in that, but I enjoyed it. Eric, that leads us to your number eight. My number eight. Uh, anything for Jackson? Uh, anything for Jackson? I definitely haven't seen this. No. Okay. Uh, anything for Jackson is about um, an older couple uh, whose daughter and her child are in a car accident and the their grandson dies jackson and for the mother 
Um, it's just too much to bear, and she kills herself. Okay. So it's these two. I don't. I. I don't want to call them senior citizens, but you know they're like <laughs> okay. sixty plus. You know, they're, sure, they're grandparents, older people. They join, um, for lack of a better description, like a satanic club. <laughs> okay. And they the track, Shriners, and they track down essentially a Necronomicon. No, and their plan is they're going to kidnap a woman, and they're going to possess the woman's unborn child with their dead grandson's spirit. Okay. So initially, it sounds like hereditary. So initially, it's funny. It's like these two older people. They're in this like satanic club. They have this Necronomicon. They're like real mild-mannered. What do we do with this Necronomicon? Right, exactly. You learn that like they're try- like their intentions are good, but yet they've kidnapped this woman. They're in this satanic club. Sure. It's very silly. Okay. But it sounds it, matter of fact the way you're saying it. It takes a very dark turn. Uh, you learn that with them messing with the Nemer- with this Necronomicon, they're kind of inviting spirits of all kind into their house. Okay. Not just the spirit of their dead grandson. And then it gets scary as fucking hell, though. Nice! The the demons or the, the ghosts, whatever you want to call them, that come into their house are like genuinely fucking creepy. Nice! And then they have to decide... Do we continue doing going through with this, or do we find a way to stop these unwanted spirits? Right. Um, it's a blast. Where'd you watch this? This is on Shutter. All you do is watch Shutter. This is another uh, Shutter exclusive. Um, and what's it called? Anything for Jackson. I almost feel like I haven't heard of it. Uh, you know, the, the 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 you know premise being you know they'll even kidnap a woman and, and join try a to sides- possess her. Right. 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 Um, this one was creepy. It, it starts fun and then gets scary. Nice. I, I like that. I really, really liked uh, anything for Jackson. Well, you know, I like scary. But do you even have a Shutter account right now? No. Equala. I have a Equala. Equala. <laughs> okay. Keegan. Yeah. Your number eight, please. <clears throat> My number eight, we can make short. It's uh, a film that I don't think would be on your list because it's not really horror. Okay. But I, f- I thought, you know what? The ending of this film is so big and so ridiculous. And I saw this in a theater, had a fucking blast. And it's underwater. Oh, really? You know, you know what? I wish I would have said that at least for as an honorable mention. Yeah, really, really enjoyed this movie. This is not the best movie ever. But man, have I seen a fucking basically underwater monster movie just start off with so, you know, if you don't know what underwater is, it's Kristen Stewart on a fucking drilling rig at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, I believe. That's just crashed? Uh, yeah. Or sinking? Or... And the film starts, and within... Submerging? Within 10 minutes, it blows the fuck up. Right. And so what's so much fun, and, you know, we like character development, right? We like... We like to know people's motivations, where they came from, and things like that. No, but no, we like titties and gore. At times, it is refreshing to watch a film that is at a breakneck pace. Mm. And within 10 minutes, the fucking drilling platform explodes. And from that moment on, you're going 100 miles an hour. There's fucking monsters at the bottom of the ocean. Yes. And 
of course, as anyone knows, has seen underwater. It culminates in this insane, ridiculous shit. You know what, Doc? I'm kind of offended that you're talking underwater, but you didn't watch Sputnik. Right. Because these two films are clearly alien and Sputnik. Brother and sister. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, underwater is extremely alien inspired, just like Eric is saying. And, you know, it's just fun, man. This, this is, this is, you know, th- I saw this in a theater and this is exactly the kind of movie that I absolutely love to go see in a theater, fucking go on the roller coaster and go home. And I'm like, fuck underwater was a blast. Um, a lot of good stuff, like a lot of good actors, Vincent Cassell is in it. Uh, TJ Miller, which, Ooh, I don't know if I should say TJ Miller, mm-hmm. but, that, that uh, definitely, yeah, but he's, he's in, you know, Cloverfield. So, um, what about the other guy who's in Cloverfield? Ten yeah, Cloverfield Ten Lane. Cloverfield Lane. There's so much Cloverfieldness in this film. Everybody's like, Why? wasn't it like there's some speculation that it might be Cloverfield related, or am I tripping? The problem is it's Fox, so it just oh. can't be oh. because uh, Cloverfield be is Paramount. What am I thinking? Uh, so you're oh you're thinking A Quiet Place. When A Quiet Place was first being marketed, people thought it was a Cloverfield movie because it's Paramount. Oh, uh, you may not have been thinking that, but. Uh yeah, underwater. It's it, uh, it has a uh, what's his name John. I can't remember his fucking name, but anyways, underwater, great film, enjoyable, blast. Uh, this is what I need during the pandemic. Um, entertainment popcorn. I slept through it at the theater, but then I rented it when it came out, you know, digitally, and I definitely enjoyed it. Slept through it in the theater. Good, uh, great commentary, Eric. In a year. When I couldn't go to the theater, <laughs> I, slept. I slept through it. Yeah. So that's my number eight. Is that now? Is are we to your number eight? Now I'm already fucking lost. Now, now we're at E Dog's number seven. Okay, Eric's number seven of and, 2020 is. And since you don't have a Shutter account, you haven't seen this one either. I'm talking about the cleansing hour. That's correct. This movie is fucking amazing, da. Uh, it's about two friends that they have a web show where they stage an exorcism. Every single week. Okay. But they market it as real. They market it as uh, this guy's really a priest uh, and that they're really exercising people when really it's all just complete bullshit. Okay. Uh, You learn that they even have uh, merch that they sell like Vatican or cloth straight from the Vatican, you know, that have been blessed by the Pope when really it's just bullshit. Okay. Um. One friend plays the priest while the other friend, he's like the tech guy for uh, the web show. Okay. So at the start of the film, um, they're having trouble uh, finding an actress to play the possessed part. So the tech guy asks his girlfriend if she'll do it. So she agrees to it. But then she really becomes possessed. Okay. She's genuinely possessed by a demon. And they have no control. Control, right, right? Exactly. And they also don't have any real experience. Right, because all of it is bullshit. Right, exactly. And while this is going on, their numbers are like skyrocketing. Their their viewing numbers are like skyrocketing. And they're trying to find a way to stop this demon. Okay. And what's awesome is it it you know, the film for the majority seems like it's kind of just like this intimate story. Uh, these two friends trying to figure out how to way to stop this. But then you learn that everybody watching it, there's going to be bigger global consequences. Right. And uh, it gets fucking 
for lack of a better description, satanic as hell. Wow. And uh, I fucking loved The Cleansing Hour. Nice. No, and, I, and, and that's the name of their web show, is that, The Cleansing Hour. Is it is it um, is it shot like traditionally or is it all through the webcam? No, no, no. It's shot traditionally. Nice. You know, there's the shots where it seems like you know if you were a viewer watching right. their, their web show, but no, it's it's traditionally huh. shot. Uh, it was it's definitely the exorcist meet for us assholes who have to check Twitter every ten minutes. Yes. Yeah. It's great. That sounds awesome. I uh, have nothing to say because I haven't seen it, but that is the cleansing hour. That was the cleansing hour. Yes, that's available on Shudder. Nice. So my number seven is the Shudder film of the year. Shudder film of the year? It's the Shudder film of the year, and it's and it's the you know it's the moment. I I had to put this on my list. I don't you know again not high art. Oh, but gotcha. yeah, it's host. I was thinking um, Veronica, but you go ahead. So my number seven of 2020 of horror is Host, right? So Host is, you know, this is the 2020 horror movie. There's yeah. going to be a lot of shit, right, that comes out after this. But, you know, in the moment that it dropped, it was just so insane that they pulled this off, that it was shot right when the pandemic started. And that would be concerning, right? It's like, oh, they're trying to capitalize on the pandemic. And it's just cool. It's good. It's yeah. just good. It's short. Like you said, it's like an hour long. It's like 60 minutes, 63 minutes or some shit. I think it's 54. Nice. Even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, you know, host is exactly what Eric said. It's, it's a, it's the, you know, these, these women, they get together to hang out during the pandemic on a zoom call and they decide to basically fuck with this, uh, paranormal interpreter or whatever. And when they do that, they invite a demon into their lives. And it all takes place over Zoom. And it it really, man... I feel like you describing that, that premise shouldn't work. No. But it's so good. And you know what? You know, our favorite thing, you know, horror fans love when you get creative, right? And, and you know, nothing better this year than using Zoom effects as a jump scare, right? And like, that's where, you know, again, I, I talk about putting a smile on my face when I watch a movie and there's a jump scare with like this mask or whatever, I'm not gonna get into it. And I'll never forget when, you know, it, it, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the, to me, it's the horror moment of the year. Not because it's my favorite movie, not because it's the best moment, it's the pandemic. Mm. And there's this moment that's just, could only be done because of Zoom because it's the pandemic, because they made this movie the way they did, and they need scares. And it's like absolutely brilliant. Again, this is not my favorite movie of the year. It's not, you know, in any other year, I'm not sure this would be the greatest thing ever, but it was so refreshing at a time when we were just so hungry for 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 something new. This was truly something new, like in an instant, all of a sudden there was this Zoom horror movie and that sounds horrible, and it's really well constructed. I was impressed with how did they shoot that? Yeah. Like, there's like stunts in the film, and I'm like, how did. So I went to their Twitter, the director's Twitter, and they had some clips, and they literally strings and wires. Mm. Like there was this one where the uh, sp- very minor spoilers for the film there is uh, a moment when a woman gets pulled back in her chair, and the chair scoots across the ground. Uh, by the entity right and uh literally ropes 
they showed it. I, I saw a side view of it, like recorded with an iPhone, and it's just somebody pulling the chair with a fucking rope. But in the film, it doesn't matter. It's the entity, you know. It's like it's right. like it's total horror ingenuity that you just you know you raise your caps to people when they can figure stuff out. It it, it almost not to get crazy, but it starts to you almost start to think about like you know Evil Dead was born out of something similar to this, not the pandemic, but all they had was a camera and some blood and a cabin. And it's like, fuck it. it. Let's do this. It's evil dead. Let's run through the fucking forest on a fucking handy cam, you know, uh, and the woods, you know, and the same thing here. It's like, fuck it. All we have is zoom. All we have is these effects. All we have is ropes and chairs and they put together a good movie around it. And it's, it's awesome. So host, I felt like I couldn't make my list without this movie. Um, again, you know, my top like three movies are like three of like the best movies. I don't think this is that, but this is awesome. It's a 2020 movie through and through. So my number seven was host, which is available on shutter. It's a shutter exclusive do you, do you, coming out on Blu-ray soon. Do you feel like host will remain powerful if we ever get out of COVID? Like, do you feel like if we watch this and there hasn't been a COVID case in six months, do you think it'll still hold its power? Is it, is it, is, is, or is it just going to be a time capsule? I think both. I think the scares will still work because the filmmaking is good mm. in itself. They're just, in, they're just genius scares. Mm. Um, but in terms of like, you know, I mean, there was such, there was moments where like, I can't say I, I'm tiptoeing around it. Cause there's a few things pandemic driven that I don't want to reveal because they'd be spoilers, but I really, you know, you kind of, you kind of smirk and you're like, man, like that is how it is right now. Like, so those things I don't think will be the pandemic driven stuff won't be as impactful, you know, like masks and stuff. They talk about things like that, but the scares will definitely work for yeah. sure. I think the scares will work. So anyways, that's host my number seven, Eric. Oh, and that's available on shutter, uh, exclusively. So shutter killed it this year. Yep. I think, I think shutter should be our number one bad joke. Okay. My number six, is that what you call a joke? Uh, I'm going to be honest. This kind of made my list because of its affiliation with, it's this film's a sequel. Okay. And because it's a sequel to this other film, that's kind of why it made my list. I'm talking about Peninsula, the nice. follow up to Train to Busan. I didn't see Peninsula. I would 100% encourage you to watch it, but it's definitely no Train to Busan. And I really like Train to Busan. Uh, who fucking doesn't like Train to Busan? Yeah. Uh it's set 4 years after the events of Train to Busan. You learn that they're able to uh, control the virus just to Korea. And uh, you learn that uh, they're... So it's just like completely overran, like with zombies. Sure. Korea is now. And this guy hires a team to go. And there's like... There's like... A, I forget if it was a bank or a casino or something that these men went to go rob, but then they didn't return. So this guy hires a new group of people to go to Korea to try to get the money that the first group uh, were unable to extract. So, you know, Train to Busan is, is this very, I feel like, tight film, uh, primarily because of its setting. Sure. But now Peninsula is like, now they have this whole city to play. It's huge, right? right exactly, you know. And now it's car chases. Now it's... Uh, cage fights. Now it's fireworks. Now it's... It's like Romero's Land of the Dead. 
I would say Land of the Dead is better if well, we're comparing them. But yes, the reason I bring that right. up is the film gets so big, it starts to lose what's what was so good about his other films. And and it does have that kind of emotional punch that Change Busan did, but I felt like it was a bit more not as organic. Okay. Um, I don't think there was any way this wasn't going to be on my list. Yeah. Uh, just because of how Eric, much Eric I is, like yeah, Train to Busan. Eric and I is like the biggest Train to Busan guy. Right, and I just love zombie films uh, as well. Um, so I guess, you know, for those reasons, it's affiliation. And because of the genre that it falls in, it made my list. But definitely don't go in expecting Train to Busan. Nice. Yeah. I didn't see Peninsula because I really like Train to Busan. But for whatever reason, I don't even think it made my top 10 that year. I liked it. It just, I think I was too late. Like I almost came to it too late. Like the hype was so big and I liked it and it was emotional and I did cry, but I don't know. So I, I never, I didn't, haven't seen Peninsula yet. So check it out if you're ever, you know, have a minute, have a minute, yeah. <laughs> have a good sit. Yep. Uh, right, and that was right. your number six. That was Pen- my number six. Peninsula. My number six is, um, I'll try not to go insane on these movies, but we're starting to get to like, actually, this is the start of the really good movies, in my opinion. And so my number six is, uh, I'll just say it's Brian Brutino's The Dark and the Mm, Wicked. Okay. This one Um, I have not seen. You know, I was extremely hyped for this movie because Brian Brutino is a director that I really, really have liked. He hasn't made a lot, and I get that. But, you know, his mark on the horror genre for The Strangers. Is it just three films? Strangers, Mockingbird, and now... Yes. No, 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 The Monster. The Monster, four. four. Okay. I thought you meant three films before this. And so Brian Bertino, you know, he he made this... You know, his his mark on the horror genre is forever fucking in the sand because... uh, He put his flag in the sand, sorry. Um, Because of The Strangers, right? 08's The Strangers is like one of the greatest fucking movies ever made, in my opinion. So... The Strangers, if people ask me what is the scariest movie of all time, you know, it's tough because certain things scare different people. But for me, my answer is always just watch The Strangers because I think it's terrifying. Um, He has a way of directing sort of, number one, eeriness, stillness, creepiness, and violence. And um, I really actually like his second movie, Mockingbird, which was a Blumhouse tilt film that got dumped onto, I think, Netflix. And, 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 uh, Mockingbird is really good. Mockingbird is scary. And I remember being like, fuck man, I wish somebody would give him money. So he did eight, he did, um, uh, the monster for, I believe a 24. Yes. And it's really good. Uh, again, not, you know, ultimately not a perfect film, but it's good. And so the dark and the wicked's coming out. Everybody's saying it's nihilistic and, you know, mean spirited and it doesn't let up and it's terrifying. I don't think it's quite that, right? Like, I think The Dark and the Wicked, it's my number six. I loved it. But, you know, I, I, I will say the hype was a little too much. How did you watch it? Uh, I rented it. Just rented it straight up. And um, I don't think this is fucking the scariest movie of the year. I don't think it is. But, uh, man, the way he directs his creepiness, his stillness, his... Uh, you know, so the dark and the wicked takes place on this goat farm. And, uh, it's about this, uh, woman and his brother there. I believe it's their dad, uh, is old and dying. He's, uh, bedridden 
And essentially they're sort of, it's at the point where they're waiting for their dad to die because they know he's going to die soon. He's not doing well. They have a home care person that comes and takes care of him and he's dying. And there's some thing on the goat farm that, that is, that is waiting for the, the, that is preying on the dad waiting for him to die. That sounds really creepy. And it is like that. That almost gave me chills hearing that description. And it is. And, and so, you know, it's good. It's, you know, there's, there's great scare sequences. There's, you know, I love, and I'll talk about this later because there's a film later on my list, just like this, but I mean, fuck a hundred times better, but I just really like that movie. But that, you know, I love stuff like this. That is, you know, I use the word stillness. Do they show what the thing is? Yes. But very briefly. Okay. You know, it's, it's that, it's that, you know, it's that, you know, the witch formula, gotcha. you know, very small, very quiet, dead quiet, you know, and then violence, you know, um, I said violence and also violence like violence. You kill me. So yeah. And there, there's, you know, a moment of really, really gross <laughs> violence in this film. That's a lot of fun. Uh, that involves, I'm not going to say the dark and the wicked's really good. But I, I will say that I was too hyped for this, but it's still fucking really good. Yeah, I um, watch it. It's not as good as I was hoping. I thought I was getting another Strangers because people said, oh, it's nihilistic and all this shit. And I was like, fuck yes. Uh, it was definitely not The Strangers, but it is really good, really upsetting, and scary. So The Dark and the Wicked, really liked it, rent it. I, I VOD'd it, so I rented it for like four bucks or whatever. I think I might just get the blue. It's like $13 on I got Amazon. the blue. It's uh, I ordered it because it was like thirteen bucks. Right. I, I haven't even opened it because I rented it before the blue came out. But, oh. anyways, Dark and the Wicked, Brian Bertino, please, you know, a twenty four. Go give Brian Bertino more money. Who did the Dark and the Wicked? Um, I, it's RLJ Entertainment. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure who produced it, but they put it out. So it's not a twenty four. But A24, go give Brian Bertino as much money as you can. And go, oh. he'll go make you a witch. He'll go make you fucking yeah. more shit. So anyways, Dark and the Wicked. Really liked it. That was my number six. Eric, are you your number five? My number five is easily the biggest horror film of 2020. I almost feel like I don't got to say anything about this fucking film. Uh, I'm talking about Lee Wanell's The Invisible Man. Yes. Um, I will not speak. Go ahead. Okay. Uh uh, what, what do I fucking say about the Invisible Man? Gee, uh, I will say this. Uh, we went to KFC before we went to the theater. And this was when they came out with that fucking donut fucking chicken oh, sandwich. Yeah. And so I'm just I'm just eating that shit, dog. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to take a big old shit there in the Invisible Man. And it felt very romantic <laughs> that we were going to go watch a Universal Monster film. Sure. And uh, you know what? It 100% met my expectations. I was very disheartened because my mom told me she watched it on HBO. And that makes me sad because I didn't get to show it to her. Wow. So, yeah. And that's The Invisible Man? And that's The Invisible Man. I mean, what do I, what, do I have to say anything about it? It's going to be tough because I feel the same way. I'm going to talk about it later. I mean, everybody knows it. Everybody knows it's good. Yeah. Uh, how about this? One more stupid story tied to it. I decided to watch the original black and white 1920s sure. Claude Rains. Man, 
This movie's really fucking good. You know, I've never seen it. I think it might be my favorite Universal Monster movie. Mm, Creature's pretty good. So is the Invisible Man. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's number five. And we're going to talk it again. Is the Invisible Man. So number five for Eric is Invisible Man. Yes. Correct. Okay. My number five. Which is kind of surprising because I would have thought that would have been number one. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> my number five uh, is uh, a movie you apparently didn't see. And I will say, like, I thought this was going to be a movie that I would be berated for if I didn't see. Okay, let's hear it. So I watched it, and it ended up being my... I watched this, like, two nights ago. Okay. It's my number fucking five. Okay. Yeah, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Oh, wow. Wow. So, you know... Okay, so it's called The Wolf of Snow Hollow, so we assume there's werewolves. Okay. Right? So let's just get that out of the way. This is a werewolf movie. Okay. And, man, I, uh... I don't even know how to explain this movie. This is this is such a vision from a, a director that knows what they want. And um, I think his name is Tim Cummings. Never heard of him. He made a movie, I believe, called Thunder Road before this. Don't know anything about it. Don't care. Watch this. He's the main character as well. So he's the actor in the film. And he directed and wrote it. And uh, what a voice. What a fucking voice. The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Um this feels like, and maybe this is his voice. I didn't see Thunder Road, but man, it's written like, it feels like Twin Peaks, but like it's, it, you know, so it takes place in this like mountain town. I'm not sure where, possibly in Colorado. It felt very Twin Peaksy because the main character is the, is the, the, the sheriff's son of the town. The sheriff is played by Robert Forrester, who uh, I believe passed this year. Oh, well, now I'm on board. Yeah, and he's great in it. He's in it a lot. This is his final film. Oh, and, wow. And, and just so you know, Robert Forrester was in Twin Peaks The Return. Hmm. And so there's a lot of shades of that. You know, there's the sheriff's uh, station, which is, you know, a big part of Twin Peaks. And this, ve- and then, you know, what's insane is, like, the humor. This is a very funny movie. That's what Shane very, Saw said. Very funny, but but I say that not to say this is not a comedy. This is very much like uh, like Twin Peaks to me. Twin Peaks, you would never ever say that show is like a comedy show, but uh, David Lynch's co- comedic say, uh, sensibilities come out in it. And uh, but this is a movie about a werewolf that is killing people in a town and it's tearing the town apart. And the the uh, main character is the sheriff's son, and he's got he's he's desperate to solve the case as to and he believes it's not a werewolf and he will not because werewolves don't exist and i'm going to find who is killing these people in this town and uh very funny uh well written well directed um gory as fuck you know the the, this werewolf tears um you know tears people apart and you see it and but but then, you know, the characters, I, I hate to use the word quirky because I feel like that's sort of a pejorative for me. Like, I don't, quirky sounds like shit, but it's, it's you know, it has like, you know, very specific writing and that's what makes it so funny. Um, and so anyways, yeah, uh, the, you know, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, this is an Eric Hoff movie. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit. I was like, man, Eric's gonna, this is gonna be his like number one. It's so fun. And so, again, not a serious film in any way, but I will say the ending of this movie uh, makes it totally worth watching. It has like almost, uh, I heard, I can't, I'm stealing this from 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 Elric Kane on the uh, All the Colors of the Dark podcast. 
And uh, I thought the same thing. It almost has the ending of Zodiac vibes at the end. Mm. So it's like very funny, but also like darkly serious. Mm. Um, very good. This is the Wolf of Snow Hollow. It was my number five. I just rented it on Amazon for like $4. Mm. And um, this is a voice I'm going to be watching. I hope he does more genre because, uh, again, just, you know, I don't think pretty much anything is funny because I'm a fucking asshole. It was really funny. Hmm. I, was, I was surprised, but not in the ha ha ha. Like it's just well written and fun, and kinda so clever. Yeah, and I, again, like clever kind of sounds like almost bad, but yeah, yeah. I really like Wolf of Snow Hollow. Please watch it. Eric, was your number five? Uh, this will be four now. Four. Here we go. Yeah, we're getting into the. I feel like we're gonna the have bangers. the same number four. I can uh, feel it. Here it comes. I don't think we will. I think I think this movie's gonna be higher. Fuck. Uh, I'm talking about Jeremy Gardner's incredible After Midnight. How did I know? It's my number four. It's your number, oh, it, shit. After Midnight. Yes. Okay. Well, we can both talk it. Both of our number fours. I thought for sure this would have been higher on your list. Some I, other I feel sh- like you're the Jeremy Gardner guy between us. Some of other shit came out this year. Um, after Midnight, Eric, please go ahead. Okay. Uh, this movie's fucking incredible. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy Gardner plays a man. He has. Is he married? Or is it just his girlfriend? I believe it's just his... Ah, gr- uh, fuck. I don't know. He's in a, he's in an intense relationship. Yes. And his partner With leaves. With Bria Grant. Right. And his partner leaves. Um, and every night since his partner's been gone, something's trying to get into his house. And he's telling everybody that there's a monster trying to get into my house. But everyone just thinks he's crazy. Everyone thinks that he's upset about his partner having left him. Um... And he's just seeing things. And you know what? It's actually like a really like small kind of like quiet film. Yeah. The, the the way I would explain After Midnight is and and Jeremy Gardner's other film, which which put him on the map, which is The Battery, mm-hmm. is just downright charming. Yes. I, I, it, it's 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 really hard to explain. When we talked about this film early in the year, I remember telling you like it was. Um, I think I called it like location horror. I don't remember the 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 words. Uh, rural, rural horror. Rural horror. And then you, you said horror. you said sort of hickish, which yes, I think sounds again like a pejorative, like bad. Uh-huh. Um, to me, it's almost like rural horror, right? Where like the sense of place and the people in it are so awesome, and it's not somewhere you're normally at. I think this takes place somewhere in the south. Sure. Um, goddamn. Yeah, I, and you know, it's kind of like a romantic monster film. Yes. Uh, but the, is the, the monster in his head or is the monster his girlfriend? That's what I was going to say. The horror is relationships that we all struggle and strain through. And, and you know, when I say charming, it's just like even his, it, it's very earnest. It's very, you know, um, it wears its heart on its sleeve. You know, it's got characters that are just people. It's got, you know, that, that dude is just like chewing on peanuts at the bar. You remember right. that? Like, oh, yeah. and, and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Doesn't um, he have like a cousin or something that's that goes hunting with him, and he's a little silly? And then also, yeah. uh, Justin Benson is in this. Yes, from uh, Benson and Moorhead, the directing duo. They produced the film for him. That that's why they're in it. Okay. And uh, yeah, man, like, and then it has like a you know a big you know bombastic little. Oh, end- don't say it. No, no, I'm just saying it has a big bombastic little ending. It has a great ending. Yeah, and so like. But man, it, it, if this you, is one of the sweetest monster films I've ever seen. 
Absolutely, dude. I mean, After Midnight is just a fucking joy. But to keep our listeners guessing, is there a monster? Or not. Or not. You have to watch no, the I goddamn don't. movie and find out yourself, you lazy bastards. I, To be honest with you, if I had to say one thing, and I feel like this is like a Jeremy Gardner thing, if you get one thing out of this, um, if you like film, if you like sweet films, you know, watch the After Midnight. Did you watch Sadistic Intentions? No. It's another Jeremy Gardner film of 2020. I think he just starred in. Uh, it's about him and this girl. They have the same weed connect. They've never actually met, but they decide to go to this house uh, together. You remember him in Bliss? Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, so they can score some weed, but one of them is not who they say they are. Okay. And what sucked was after Midnight came out first, so I was like on this like Jeremy Gardner high. Sure. And Sadistic Intentions is kind of just... Okay. Dot, when we... we I watched After Midnight, just me and my brother, and I was like, uh, he had never seen the battery. And when we finished After Midnight, I was like, we, we got to break the battery out. Like, I, I was the same way. I was like, this is so good. I need you to show you his other film that is so good. Um, and yeah, I ended up donating donating to him this year. And I got that, that Blu-ray for Tex Montana Will Survive. Did you watch him. it? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Ah. Um, so anyways, After Midnight, it's available on VOD. It's Unfortunately, that Blu-ray is gone. Yeah. It was like up for like 12 minutes. I really wanted that that fucking foreign Blu-ray because I think it had the Arrow bat- put it out. Yeah. And but it was it was region B locked, which I didn't want to I didn't want it. Our both of our number fours happen to end up being After Midnight. After Midnight by Jeremy Gardner. I think you're just looking at my list. I can't read. I can't even see you. Oh, that's right. Oh, I I took my... Keegan doesn't have anything higher than a third grade education. (laughs) That's correct. Which is funny because Keegan is like the more well-spoken and intellect of the two of us. I I don't know if I would agree with that. Doc, come on. I go, oh, I like this movie. And you go, oh, just... Eric, I know. Just stop. Just please. I'm sorry. In the... Oh, God, and I'm just Duh. coming right now. I'm sorry. But it, it, it's, it's true. It's what makes us us. Okay. Our, uh, our next, th- what sucks. It's, okay, now that you said that, it sucks because my, my next three films are going to be a lot of that. So prepare. Okay, well, hey, maybe we'll have the same number three. I don't think so. Okay, I'm talking about Christopher Landon's. Freaky! It's my number three. This movie, I'm pretty sure I had a smile on my face the entire time. Eric, how do we have I the same number film? three? Well, for sure, we're not going to have the same number one. I Absolutely not. Much. No. Uh, Freaky is such a delight. Absolutely. And let me, let me real this quick. This was the happiest horror film I saw all year, Doc. I came up with a saying for, for Christopher Landon horror. So he did Happy Death Day, Happy uh-huh. Death Day to You, and now Freaky, right? Uh-huh. And you know what? I came up with Christopher Landon directs Gleeful Sweetness. Because that's what these films are. Right. They're like you said, you smile the whole time. They're they're sweet. They're earnest. They're always they were like I said about prior films. They 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 have they wear their heart on their sleeve. They're about something, but they're a fucking blast. I think freaky. This is just a unverified theory. Is his response to Happy Death Day two for people not calling it a slasher? For sure. people being upset that it went more sci-fi, he's like, "Okay, fuck you. I'm gonna give you a gory ass slasher." Yeah. So maybe we should explain quickly what Freaky is first. Okay. You know, Freaky is Freaky Friday as a slasher, right? So Christopher Landon is making these films. 
you know, Groundhog Day as a slasher. Back to the Future as a slasher. Freaky Friday as a slasher. That's what he does. And he needs to keep going. And he needs to make a million of these goddamn Yes, 100%. And the thing is, it's not just concept for him. His characters, his writing, his, you know... I will say that I do like Happy Death Day, the first film, more than this, but uh, because I think it it has more emotion than this. This has less, much less emotion. I agree with you, but I also feel like get, let me watch Freaky two or three or For four sure. more times, and then I might be saying I like it as much as I like Happy Death Day. I'm glad you said that because it took till like the third time I saw Happy Death Day, and like the third time I saw it, it was this revelation. I was like, this is one of the greatest horror movies made in the last 10 years. And prior to that, I thought, oh, it's really good. Kind of like I feel about Freaky right now. But, you know, the more I rewatch Happy Death Day and and Happy Death Day to you, those those are fucking phenomenal movies. Oh, yeah. I, you know, what's funny is, like, I had to come around to Happy Death Day to you. I loved it. Loved it. But I like Back to the Future. I guess the first one is just so good to me. Um, and then, of course, Vince Vaughn as a yeah. high school-aged girl is probably my favorite thing sure i mean uh there's I feel, a moment sorry go ahead i feel like everybody's watching this movie to see him as a, a high school girl uh-huh. i actually enjoyed katherine newton playing a serial killer more because it was just fun to watch her be like dead serious and killing she people has, like no lines yeah but she's jason right right oh, okay good fair point so fair point uh, but watching her, like, the the way she would look at people and stuff, like, as the serial killer, which is, like, Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, she doesn't look like a serial killer or Jason. Um, absolute blast. Yes. Absolute blast. Uh, the There's a moment where uh, – I wish I could remember the character's name who, – who Vince Vaughn is playing. Yeah. Uh, gets to hang out with her crush. Yes. And I was just laughing so hard. At that scene. Yeah, and you know, it's like Christopher Landon... He knows what he's doing. I was going to say, he really hasn't... He he does not shy away from sort of, you know... Uh, I'm trying to think of how to put it. Sort of societal bending yes. of the rules. Yes, 100%. And, and he hasn't in, in, in any of his films. And um, it's so refreshing. And, it, and it's funny because you don't feel like... Some films you feel like you're being you know, shove down your throat, like, um, acceptance or something like that. And, and, and in his films, they're organic. Like, it's just, that's how it is in the film, you know, whatever it is. And, um, God damn. Yeah. Uh, I and think and then also, is amazing. there's some amazing kills and gore in this. Film. Yes. Why don't you quickly tell your tweet about, you said something Vince Vaughn does as the killer. Okay. Spoiler alert for the first 10 minutes of freaky. There's a part where, Vince Vaughn, still is Vince Vaughn, the serial killer. Yes. Burst down a door. And I'm like, oh, Christopher Landon needs to drink the next Friday the 13th. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and, and it, just all those kills are fun. Like when he like breaks the tennis racket. Yep. I he was, stabs that girl in the head. And I was going to say, it's R-rated and oh. fucked up. Oh, and then like right after that, there's that fucking wine bottle kill. Yes. Yep. Uh, awesome. Freaky is excellent. But then, you know, it culminates in this great ending again. I don't think it rises near to the emotional heights. I agree. I almost feel like Freaky's more for fun. For sure. Uh, not, I totally agree. Not quite as teaching us something yeah. like Happy Death Day did. Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you reach these these really, really big emotional heights. I don't think this gets to that, but it does have this really earnest 
you know, sweetness ending. Right. And uh, I, you know, man, that stuff. I love this shit. I love it. So yeah, freakies of both of our number threes. Yeah, it's weird. If number two happens to be the same. No, because I, you're I, gonna say this didn't come out this year. So. I'm gonna. Well, technically, this film came out in 2019. My number two. Uh oh. But it wasn't mass available. I agree. Until this year. So is mine. It's not the same. Eric, all right, all right, Eric right. hang on, hang on, hang on. On the count of three. No, hang on. No. There is no way, and I'm saying this actually legitimately, there's no way this is your number two because I don't think you liked it as much as I did. Okay, on the count of three. Are you ready? One, One two, two, three. The VFW. Lodge. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's not. Nope, I didn't think so. All right. You go first. Who wants to go first? You go first. I did not like The Lodge. Okay. So. It was a bit too dry for you. Yes. Dog. I'm going to do my best. Eric kind of made fun of me for saying, ah, this and this and this. I know I no, do No, that's this. good. No, I know. No, I'm I know. I'm shit talking you, but it's but good. I, I guess I'm saying I'm self-aware enough to know I do this. Okay. I know that. But The Lodge, okay. right? So The Lodge is the directors that made Good Night, Mommy. And you know what? This is, okay, so The Lodge really came out in 2019, but was not, uh, available for really us to see until February of this year. So that's why it made my list this year. The Lodge really was not available until February of this year. So, and it's a cheat, and I saw it this year. And man, this is this is what I wake up in the morning for. Now, it's funny to say that because Eric said it was too dry. It is, right? This is a film. Okay, so let's let me explain quickly what The Lodge is. And I won't go on too long. The Lodge is about... Two kids, they're uh, they are forced to go to a cabin. Let's just say a cabin in the mountains with snow, and with their father's love interest. With their father's uh, new love interest, because he is not with their mom anymore. Yes, something happens to the mom, but we won't say what. So, so they are forced to go. But you know what? Spend spend a week. <laughs> Go the, ahead, Eric. The, the moment with the mother, you know what film you're getting in for. Yeah. Okay, okay go ahead. Um, the scene. With they're, the they're forced to to go stay at this cabin in the middle of the, the woods in the snow in the winter by themselves with the, 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 their dad's new lover, right? So they don't know her. And the dad's like, oh. And they don't want to know her. Right. And they don't want to know her for reasons I really can't explain. Uh, let's just say they're not exactly excited for their dad to be with someone that's not their mom. And uh, they go up there and they're left there by themselves, the two kids with the new woman played by Riley Keu Cunningham. I don't know how to say her last name. Me neither. And uh, yeah, The Lodge. An extremely devastating and nihilistic film and man, you know, I just, I've been I trying to tolerate mother better than this fucking film. I've been trying to figure out a way to explain why these films appeal to me the way they do. But, and, and I, it's because you have no joy in your life. I could see that. You're just and a I could sad sack, dog. It, it, it's so much fun to, for me to watch directors that are so confident in their nihilism. Um, directs such a gorgeously beautiful film. And so when we finally get to moments that are mean spirited and upsetting, 
uh i'm in man i'm in this is a gorgeous looking movie this is mean um i figured it out about halfway through but i didn't care um (laughs) i mean i'll just leave it at this dude i won't go on too long the lodge it's fucking sick it's mean-spirited this is put out by neon and uh yeah man this is the type of movies that i love um but you know it's funny because you say that, right? You you just said like you have no joy in your life, which I which is obviously I'm just joking. Bro. No, I know, but it's funny because we just spoke about our number three, which, which is was joyful, right? Exactly. So I love both, but I just man, I love when a director and in this case directors take you by the hand. I've said this before: take you by the hand and go down a hallway and say, you know what? Fuck it, sit back, and this is. You know, it's dead quiet, it's stillness, it's upsetting, it's, it's, um, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I saw this movie only like a week ago. For the first time? Yep. It took me really? forever to watch it. Oh, and wow. I've been dying to see, I was trying to get my brother to see it. He's going to say he'll watch it, blah, blah, blah. Hello, Ben. Um, and man, I haven't stopped thinking about it. Have not stopped thinking about it. There's just imagery and shots and stuff that I love in it. There's a dog that is very upsetting um the lodge loved it eric i'm sorry i had to gush i fucking love that movie um i want to see it again and it's funny because it's like so upsetting i feel like i'd rather watch fucking a serbian film again before i fucking watch the lodge no i'd rather watch the lodge uh i will say riley q or whatever how do you fucking say her last name mm-hmm. very pretty very pretty okay eric you're number two please take this away from me Okay, uh, well, as I just revealed, my number two is Joe Bigos's Bigos VFW. Uh, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I was worried that putting this film on my list, especially so high, sure. might be problematic. But let's not discuss. Let's the leave production. It. Well, let's recognize. Let's so. recognize some of the issues with the producers. But Eric, let's hear about the film VFW. Okay, VFW. Uh, was made by a fine gentleman. Joe Bigos! Joe Bigos. Um, uh, crime is just so high because of a new designer drug that's hard to get your hands on. Did you, have you seen VFW? I never ended up seeing it. Oh, wow. Um, I got sort of sullied on this whole crew. Remember I, I, I told I, you I, this. I understand. I understand. Um, but there's one dude who has a large amount of this drug. And at the start of the film, he murders a woman. And the murdered woman has a sister who steals his drugs. And, of course, he's not happy about having stolen drugs. Okay. Right? So she runs to a neighboring building, which happens to be a VFW bar, uh, led by Stephen Lang from Don't Breathe. And uh, they have to defend their, their outpost from the waves and waves of drug-induced people who are trying to capture the girl and the drugs that she has stolen. Right. A siege film. It's a siege film. It's an excellent riff on Carpenter's Assault from Precinct 13. Um, That has some awesome action set pieces, some great violence, some great gore. Um, it's definitely like a party film, I think. Are are you, you know, it's funny. I was, I was, you know, 
I, I need to see VFW. I haven't seen it. And I was just thinking about, man, would you have guessed that this would be this much higher than like Peninsula? Uh, I uh, before you that. saw them? Yeah, I yeah. I would not have guessed that. If you can kick back a couple of these Michelob Ultras, you know. And enjoy VFW. And, and I think I think that's their goal. Sure. And and I, you know, it was funny leading up to it. And I always blame my brother, but you know, I watch a lot of films with my brother. Sorry. It's a pandemic. Where are we going to go? Um, I was like, man, we're going to watch VFW. We're going to watch VFW. And we never did. So I would say it's better than bliss. I was not super into bliss. Oh, you weren't. Well, okay. I like the violence and the, honestly, the nudity of bliss, sure. but, but, um, I was not super into that movie. It was cool. Mm. I was not super into it. I feel like, if I want to say this, but I kind of feel like Joe Bigos, Bigos is like that's your guy, isn't it? I don't know if he's my guy, but saying what I'm about to say, I guess would make him my guy. I feel like he's one of our modern masters. Sure. He's, you know, I, I think back every film he's made, you've talked about on the podcast and loved. Yeah. Um, the mind's eye. Yep. What's that first one he did? Uh, is that um, that's not uh, the void, is it? No, he didn't do the void. Um, Somebody's shouting into their fucking car shit. right now. Sorry, sorry guys. Yeah, I'm sorry if I offended you picking VFW, but I really liked it. <laughs> no, um, well, that's your number two. That's my number two, dog. So I'm not gonna go on about it. Usually we gush about our number ones. I will do my best not to. Everybody knows it. Everybody's heard of it. Oh, oh, you just did the lodge. My number two is the lodge. You know, my number one is, you know, it's obvious. And, and you, you sort of said, everybody knows about it. Everybody thinks it's good. So I didn't even include it. And I included it. I just didn't say anything. And okay. What was it? What number was it? It It's my number five. Okay. So my number one, you know, this for me, this year was simply all about the invisible man the whole fucking year i've thought about it a lot i i you know let me say this one too okay the moment in horror for me this year the moment the moment the 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 greatest you know i live for stuff like this for 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 pure you know horror right was the dinner scene where she goes to eat dinner with her sister. Holy shit. And the invisible man. This is, I'm getting chills thinking about it. Mm. This is what I live for. Mm. You know, the film has built up to this moment and something happens that is, yeah, I can't say more. Um, if you haven't seen the invisible man, man, I'll never forget in my life seeing that in a theater. And uh, yeah, so aside from that, which I just want to say that's the greatest moment in horror for me this year. Aside from that, man, you know, I think, I think I've thought a lot about this where like you were in love with Upgrade. And yes. I, yes, and I thought Upgrade was great. And I like sci-fi, right? But it was, it's kind of funny because it's almost, to me, um, he made, he sort of made Upgrade again, but with the Invisible Man. And what I mean by that is like his camera tricks and the way he shoots things and tells a story. And man is part machine. Yes. Kind of. Yep. And, uh, you know, this is, this is my upgrade, mm. right? Like, I just think that, um, 
Well, you know why I liked Upgrade so much, Dawes, because it's so similar to RoboCop. Yeah. I have more. I have more of these little statements. One is also that uh, Lee Winnell has made some movies, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, he did uh, one of the Insidious films. He he directed, I think, Cooties. Did he direct Cooties? He just wrote it. Excuse me. I think he just wrote it. Okay. Um, he, he directed Upgrade, which I think is a great film. But I, you know, I think I think Lee Winnell made his Conjuring, right? Mm. So like James Wan made great movies, right? He made Saw, he made he made Insidious, and then he made The Conjuring, which I think is like the height of James Wan. Like I feel like that was James Wan. Like it was done with Conjuring. He's gonna make great movies, but um, the height was was The Conjuring. And for me, I feel like he's reached the height, which I'm not, you know sounds bad because now his movies aren't gonna be as good. That's not really what I'm getting at. It's more so like this is, uh, man. He made him, in my opinion, a fucking masterpiece. Um, and I, 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 I got the steelbook. I bought the 4K steelbook from Best Buy. Um, I'm in love with the Invisible Man. There's no better fucking horror moment this year for me than the dinner scene. And um, yeah, the film's about thing. You know, it's about something uh, which appeals to me. It, it, it. It's gorgeous acting, you know, Elizabeth Moss is great. And uh yeah, camera work, fuck. Like correct me if I'm wrong, he's now gonna do the Wolfman? Yeah. With Ryan Gosling? Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. And and it almost feels like there's no way he can strike lightning twice. Uh, but we're gonna give him the chance. Oh, definitely. After this, man. I mean, this was this was uh for me, like I said, you know, I've kind of made a lot of statements in this and it's kind of been all over the place. But for me, uh, this year was all about the invisible man and every movie I saw, I thought, you know, the invisible man is my favorite movie of the year. Let's see if this is better. Let's see if this is better. Let's see if this is better. And it never was for me. I love popcorn. You know, I love set pieces. I remember Dana made fun of me. He said, you really are a set piece guy. Like you're all the movies you like are based around the set pieces in the, in the films. And when he said that to me, I was like, dude, I, <laughs> you're right. I never thought about that. And of course, Spielberg is a huge influence on my life. And Spielberg is a big set piece guy. And maybe that's where that comes in for me. I mean, everybody likes set pieces. But yeah, uh, this film is full of those. You know, I'll never forget the fucking, it's a small movie. I get it. But like there, you know, she throws paint, you know, in the attic. And uh, the score, uh, on there, the score rises up in certain moments. And it's a f- phenomenal, like electronic score. When the suit is malfunctioning. Oh. Like my brain was just blowing up when the suit is like malfunctioning and she's in the uh the the rain mm. and the score is rising up it's like you know not to get too much here but it's like transcendent like those films or i'm sorry those moments like the score it's like to me when the score rises up and he's like blinking out of it i'll just say he's blinking in and out of existence in the rain and the score that's pure cinema to me. Like that is fucking pure, pure cinema. Um, I'm done. Invisible man. I, I think it's, it's brilliant. It's my favorite movie of the year. You know, it's my favorite movie of the year. Now had other stuff come out, maybe it would have beat it, you know, like Halloween kills, you know, there's so many things that could have come out, but, um, yeah, this was 2020 is the year of the invisible man for me, Eric. Okay. You're number one. My number one is uh remy weeks his house oh awesome yeah uh i can't uh surprise myself putting that this high um 
I'm excited. That's awesome. But I just like kind of can't stop thinking about it. Um, to me, this is the okay. E Dog's a big baby. This is the scariest movie. You, I know you said you didn't think it was scary. This shit was terrifying for me, Dog. I wanted to turn it off. Did you watch it by yourself? I did not, and that's why it stayed on because I, was, I watched it with Melissa. I think had I like watched it by myself in like a dark room alone, it probably would have scared the fuck out of me. I, I couldn't have made it through sure. alone. And I could see that. I um, watched it with, you know, my brother and his wife, and we were I thought it, I want to be clear, and then I you know, I thought it was scary. Mm. It just didn't scare the fuck out of me. Uh so his house is about a uh, young couple and their daughter uh escaping ex- trying to escape South uh, Sudan because of war uh, in the country. Uh, they're they, like uh, refugees, right? They they managed to get out, uh, but you learn that minor spoiler: uh, their daughter dies as yes. they're trying to escape. So now they're in a new country, they're in a new home, trying to adjust. And it turns out the house is haunted. Uh, and not only that, they have to live with the fact that their daughter uh, is dead. And, so, and and there's this interesting aspect where they were they. Because they're refugees, the government has put them in that house. Right. And they're not allowed to really leave. Right. There, There's rules that they right. must follow. And it's almost like, well, this has to be better than their previous living conditions. The but, war-torn country. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But now we have to follow these strict rules in a haunted house. And, um, and they can't just be like, oh, we'll get a new house. Like, they, they cannot leave this fucking haunted house. Right. Exactly. Um. And then maybe three-fourths into the film, there's a revelation that made me scream out loud. The film 100% lays it out plainly for you, but I still had to shout it out loud Yeah, because of what a impact it had on me. And like, I really don't want to interrupt you, but, but, but I will say one of the – I mean, okay, so uh, fuck, I interrupted you and can't even talk. The – uh, visual storytelling mm. in this film. Um, they do what you're the reveal you're talking about. They never say it is literally visually told. Oh, okay. And that is beautiful. It's beautiful. They, the film, which is a visual medium, visually story tells you this reveal. Right. And you get it because it's so well made. Mm. And uh, yeah, sorry. I just, the visual storytelling blew me away in this movie. Right. Uh, there's there's definitely a moment in that reveal that's also just kind of like heartbreaking. Like what, what you're seeing happening. Um, yeah, so just kind of like the setup, the scares, this reveal, this all came together to just be my fucking favorite film of 2020. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> of course I put it at my, my, my number 10, but I can't I can't agree with you enough that, like I said, man, this this is, you know, I think anyone that watches his house as a horror fan is going to be blown away. Mm. And I was blown away. It just didn't, it wasn't my favorite. You know what I mean? Uh, but I wanted to hear you talk about the Fulci sequences in this. Like the fucking, I guess I don't know if we could spoil it, but like the nightmare sequences where it's like fucking... Uh, yeah, I, so, should we spoil it? Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's a spoiler as much as, you know, so the house is haunted. Yeah. Uh, there's ghosts. Uh, there's one night when they come out and they're like attacking the man. And you learn that if he can turn the lights on. Yeah. They go away. And so he's like struggling to reach uh, the light switch while all these uh, ghosts are kind of just 
descending upon him. That was, I thought, a creepy moment. Great, but I was thinking of that, you know, nightmare sequence where he's like in the water, and they're like the ghouls oh. are like coming out of the water towards right. him, right? And he's like sitting at his kitchen table, and uh, the frame pulls back, mm. and it's like the wall uh, is broken off, and he's out in the middle of like the ocean, right? Uh, <laughs> I remember like almost falling back. I was like, "Holy fuck!" Right. Um, that shit's awesome. Real quick, like, I think that's more of the visual storytelling that you're talking about. Absolutely. And one of the one of the first big moments of the film, he like breaks this uh, hole in a wall, and he's like pulling out the seaweed. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Uh, great, great movie. I, th- you know, I, it's crazy for me to think like. I I didn't know that I was just pushing play on some movie on Netflix. Yeah, just because I saw a positive review on Bloody Disgusting that it was going to end up being your number my one favorite movie of the year. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I came over here to my brother's house and and I and I told him I said, hey, you know, I need to watch some stuff for my top ten. I only saw this a week ago, mm. and he said, all right. And I was like, well, he's like, what is it? And I was like, it's called His House, bro. I don't know. <laughs> I said, let's watch it. So we sat here and watched it. Mm-hmm. And of course we were just like flabbergasted. Like I was like, Oh my God, this is insane. Uh, really good, man. I mean, uh, quite a, I think this is a fil- first time filmmaker. It is. It's and his it, directorial debut. And it's like, uh, I guess we got to see what this guy does next. Right. Exactly. Hopefully he stays within the genre. Uh, uh, one other quick thing about his house. Okay. Um, I hope this isn't like a spoiler to say, you know, this is, this is, you know, at times almost art house and that's great. That's a good thing to me. But what a lot of people don't like about like art house is a lot of times you don't actually get the payoff. And what I thought was interesting about his house is I was not concerned cause it was really good, but I was like, Oh, is okay. Are we not really going to get like this big payoff? And his house gives you a big fucking payoff. It does. Uh, I can't say how or why, but it, it, it builds this, you know, thing up and it gives it to you and it's violent and insane. And you're like, they're really doing this. Like, I thought this was more you know, cause at times you almost feel like, okay, this is more allegorical, but it leans into the genre. And then towards the end, it's like, no, it is this. And we're going to show it to you like this. Right. And, uh, you get, you get the horror. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. That that was something I was thinking about with his house. And I guess that is fucking it. That is it. That is our top 10 films of 2020. Of 2020. A year to fucking flush down the toilet. A year where my number one film <laughs> is a Netflix movie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My number one, of course. Oh, let's run down our list. Okay. Okay. So my number 10, I'll run these. Okay. My number 10 of 2020 was his house. My number nine was we summon the darkness. My number eight was Underwater. My number seven was Shudder's Host. My number six was The Dark and the Wicked. My number five was The Wolf of Snow Hollow. My number four was After Midnight. My number three was Freaky. My number two was The Lodge. And my number one for me, 2020, was always about The Invisible Man. Eric, your list. Okay, so my number 10 was Sputnik. Number nine, Spiral. Number eight, Anything for Jackson. 
Number seven, The Cleansing Hour. Number six, Peninsula. Number five, The Invisible Man. Number four, After Midnight. Number three, Freaky. Number two, VFW. And number one, His House. My House. Uh, so it's crazy that Bill Wilkins directed His House, huh? <laughs> My name is Bill Wilkins. And I am Simon. <laughs> My House. Yep. Uh, so that's it, G. I think that's it, man. You know, I don't know when we'll be able to record again, you know, but it was very exciting. Uh, I was getting off work today. And I was like, man, I can't believe we're going to record. So mm. I was very excited. Um, we don't know when we'll speak again. No, no, but at least we got one in. For sure. I have a, a new editing bay coming soon. Mm. And you know what the next step is, which is a little ways off, is that fucking podcasting board. Oh, yeah. but that's that's on the horizon. Hopefully, we can do something and maybe get guests. You know who you are, um, and yeah, shout out to everybody. Thank shout out everyone. Yeah, well, they know who they fucking are. Shout out everyone. Bless us, everyone. Yeah. Um, how was your Christmas, Da? And we'll get out of here. We'll get out. Of, but how was your Christmas? Oh damn, we're definitely already trailing. It was good. My, good. my New Year's was also good. What about yours? Did you do anything for New Year's? I didn't. I worked. Oh bummer. I didn't do shit. Bummer. So, I know no. you want to drink these Michelob Ultra infusions all the time. Oh, yeah? But you can't do it when you're on the job. No, hell no. This, fucking, this fucking asshole one time at work, <laughs> I gave him his mail, and he's like, I'd offer you a beer, but I know you're working. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Why didn't you take it? You dumb motherfucker. And on that note. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Ghoul Squad podcast. Uh, we hope that this wasn't too fucking all over the place. It certainly felt like it. No, it did. But, you know, we were very excited. We, we you know, our, <laughs> what's funny is all these notes that I had for this episode were all built around a predator, a predator ranked episode. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. It's like, fuck, I have to rebuild my whole, you know, I, I want you guys to really feel bad for me. Because I had to redo all my notes to be for this episode. I still want to do the Predator. Oh, I've got it all right here. Uh, you Predators. watched them all? Mahershala Ali. Huh? You, yeah. watched, you yeah. watched them all? Yep. Oh, I'm impressed. I sure did. Even part two? Yeah. Well, on that note. And stay tuned to the Ghoul Squad podcast yeah. to find out if I liked part two. Mm. Spoilers. He did it. I didn't. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yep. We'll get to that. So anyways, thank you so much for listening to the Ghoul Squad podcast. Um, you know, I know we say this a lot, but uh, thank you guys for, of course, you know, dealing with us and waiting for these episodes. We don't have a lot of listeners, but we sincerely really like the ones that we do have. So uh, on that note, uh, of course, you can do you want to say where you can find us? Sure. You can find us uh, on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, on uh, TeePublic. Yes, sir. At Ghoul Squad FM. Yes. You can find Kiki at Keeksta. And you can find me at... Uh, Eric Cruz 138. Correct. And that, with that, we will see you on the next episode of the Ghoul Squad podcast where we're ho maybe going to rank the Predator films. Yep. And we'll see you... You know, one last thing. One last thing. Let's hope. Let's hope. Things are better. The next time we record. The next fucking time we record. Oh, oh! I also have an episode idea that I'll tell you off air. Why don't you say it on air? You've never seen any Ash vs. Evil Dead. Let's do a episode. I've seen the whole first season. Oh, my bad. I thought but, you hadn't seen it yet. No, I've seen it. 
Let's do an episode surrounding all three seasons. Let's plan for that so that we also end up don't doing that for our next episode. I just don't know how we would do it. Are we ranking the episodes? No, but I mean, we could just do a... Have we ever done Evil Dead in general? No, because every film would be number one. I know, but I'm saying we could just do like a like almost like an Evil Dead retrospective. You like that? Did you like that? Oh, a nineteen eighty one. Mr. Bruce Campbell. Well, we got the video game to look forward to. Sam Sam okay, we're trailing. Bye. Sam Remy made a film. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, you can't stop, 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 you